Today's show is brought to you by Bombfell. For $25 off your first purchase, visit bombfell.com slash GOT. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Sonos, home theater for music lovers. For the first time ever, Sonos is offering listeners of the Game of Thrones podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code GOT10, that's capital G, capital O, capital T, one zero at Sonos.com to receive this exclusive offer. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 7, titled The Dragon and the Wolf. It's the season finale uh, of the penultimate season. What'd you think of it on the second viewing? Uh, I I liked it. I still think Theon getting kicked in the, the crotch being his magic power is dumb. But honestly, I think... I actually watched this a couple more times, and... I think the Sands and Arya stuff has a pretty clear through line that a lot of people are not seeing um, or choosing not to see that I'd like to break down when we get to it. Um, okay. There's like a lot of different ways you could explain their interactions, but I think there's one that's kind of like, you know, comes out of a, of, of a, of a close watching. Um, but everything else, yeah, I think it was a bumpy road to get here. Um, it can be argued that there is a better way to get to this viewpoint. Um, I also don't know what it's like to work under the budgetary and time constraints that the double D's, uh, work under. So, uh, for me, this got me immediately re-excited for season eight. And that's what I think yeah. a finale is supposed to do. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, after second viewing, I think it holds up just as well, um, as the hype that I felt after the first viewing. Um, I I see very few problems. Like, if you ignore the problems kind of with the setup from the last couple episodes, I see very few problems with this episode. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it on the second viewing. It seems like a lot of the discontent. I mean, there's a lot of leftover, like, well, this is just the continuing dumb, dumb downification of, of Game of Thrones. Uh, I thought people. it was a return to form, honestly. Yeah, but people are like, oh, how is Littlefinger going to go out like that? Or... Um, you know, go out like what his own or, stupid and, and, uh, schemes coming people, back to haunt him. <laughs> people are also people are I think going down the conspiracy wagon a little too far. Um, there's I saw, saw a lot of threads saying that oh Tyrion's a turncoat and here's the proof <laughs> or you know Tyrion's going to betray Danny and because he was making a frowny face outside the bedroom and and I you know we're gonna I don't think those are necessarily stupid. Um, mm-hmm. I think there are things you can get from watching the episode, but I also don't think they're what is the the plain reading of the plot. And I feel like. Right. Sometimes the fan base gets themselves worked up about that kind of things. Like they see a little thread to pull, and God knows there's so many threads you can pull in, in Martin's works, and they start pulling on it, and they're like, "Oh, look, I've knitted this whole sweater out of this thread." And then at the end, when George or the Double D's are like, "Oh, actually, we weren't intending to knit that sweater," they get mad. Mm. Um, like Preston Jacobs, I think a lot. It, it's it's covered a lot, colored a lot of his coverage because he had convinced himself that. You know, uh, R plus L equals J was just a sleight of hand diversion to cover <laughs> up the real truth, and then it's like, I'm like, no, man, you just you 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 huffed a uh, huffed a bit too much paint, 
and got a little too far up your own your own theories, and now you're mad because that it didn't turn out to be that way. It's like, mm-hmm. so it, it, it's tough, and you know, I. There's also not a wrong way to watch from, this like show. From like a, a know? pure viewer perspective, I don't think it's tough. I think you can sit back and you can enjoy this episode all day long. But it's happened. Like, this is a us, great right? episode. Like, of Game like of Thrones. We, we've, I've definitely seen where For you sure. and I have gotten, um, you know, like the wrong idea about a work, and it's affected it. Like Mr. Robot. Like there's some goings in, in, in Westworld, where like if if our you know the state of our biological computer. Uh, fucked up, I think, the enjoyment of the arts. It's, it can happen, and I see it mm-hmm. with 100 million people watching this thing around the world. It's 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 certainly going to happen. So I just want to say, I'm just saying a cautionary uh-huh. tale for those people that are, like, really investing into the super secret hidden truth behind Game of Thrones Season 7 and maybe pump the brakes and be open that it's it's not going to be that God, I'm open, man. I'm wide open. <laughs> I, I love this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so do you want to get right to it? Hey, I want to take a brief break to talk about stuff that's going on at baldmove.com or stuff you might have missed last week. Uh, we had a um, a social me- uh, a, our empire business series for club members where we go in the behind the scenes of a podcast startup. We talked about our social media strategy with our uh, social media manager, Sandra, who's been helping us behind the scenes, uh, piecing that stuff together. Uh, we also did a podcast with me, Cecily, and Jim, where we talked about, uh, on Bald Move TV, a separate feed, uh, talked about Rick and Morty, Ozark, uh, the new season of Defenders, or I guess the first season of Defenders on Netflix, and Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. If uh, you're interested in any of those topics, you can check it out. And then uh, I think Jim's got a special special offer he wants to talk about. Yeah, I'm doing something called the Game of Thrones Pod Pack, and it's basically a charity event that's going to support the ACLU. I think a lot of people who identify with some of the heroes and characters in Game of Thrones um, understand the importance of an organization like the ACLU. And so I've got let's, 10... Let's say your little finger yeah. and your civil right. You're being wrongly executed on the testimony of some <laughs> of psychic witch. child. A witch. Yeah, let's call it. Do a you witch. want the WCLU to come in there and like put the legal smack down I do. and yeah. file an injunction and counter suicide? You probably do, right? Yeah. You, you want someone watching over your back like that. And I still want Littlefinger to lose that battle, but I want him to have due process. Do, do, do it right. Yeah. This is the only way you have justice in the world is if you make it yourself, Sansa. Right. So I to that end, I've put together... Uh, a group of 10 Game of Thrones podcasters, and we've all produced a special episode of our podcast. Um, it's not just talking about the season. Some people are playing Game of Thrones-related games. Some people are doing uh, deep dives on particular subjects, like Aaron myself did. Um, Aaron, you talked about the Doom of Valyria in your podcast, or in our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I talked about the religions of Westeros and how they relate to the story. Um, you can go to podpack.baldmove.com uh, to get the, the link to to get linked over to the project um, and any, any amount you can help support it's nine bucks for 10 podcasts. It's fairly cheap, but there are also other levels. And if you want to give a little extra, you can, if you want to get all 10 podcasts and feel like you're doing good things, both for the ACLU and the country and also the podcasters, because they're getting a portion of the proceeds as well. Give me a sampling of who's participated. It's Bald Move. Uh, it's Cast Bald of Move. Kings. We've got Cast of Kings. we got Pot of Thrones. we got a, a, Cast, what is it? A Storm of Spoilers. Yep. Um, it's Joanna Robinson's spoiler podcast. 
Uh, just a whole bunch of people. Jay and Jack, who were kind of my you know, podcasting idols. I didn't know you got them. Yeah. This yeah, is a, a lot of cool This people. is all essentially what you've been doing while I've been slaving after Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. I've been putting this whole project together, and you've been doing feedback nonstop. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool thing, and it goes to help a lot of uh, a lot of people, you know, um, who are who are affected by the various issues that the ACLU supports. ACLU did a big uh, did a good job of uh, kind of clearing all the copyright bullshit from the pot the podcasting itself because there was they a did. patent troll yeah. trying to essentially assert rights of distributing podcasts in some sort of organized format. Yeah. Uh, and they were instrumental in, in uh, defeating that copyright claim. So. Yeah, I mean, they're about, like, freedom of speech and, and a lot of other rights that, you know, are hand-in-hand with what America freedom is. Freedom to not being so. accused by a witch. Right. On pain of death. <laughs> yeah. So go check that out if you want to. Uh, Podpack.baldmove.com. Yeah, sure. Let's start off with um, Danny's Army congregating at King's Landing for their meeting with Cersei. Bronn and Jamie are talking about the cockless. Tyrion remarks about the million or so people living in King's Landing and the quality of the brothels. Would you say that Bronn would stock 500 barrels and then Bronn would stock 500 more? At least, yeah. Just to be yeah. the man that pours that boiling pitch <laughs> this is upon Danny's armies forevermore. Far out. too elaborate of a joke, <laughs> of a setup for the joke you're going for. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, I would say he would. All right. He would stock 500 and 500 more. Uh, and the hound pokes pokes the white down in the hold of the ship, I guess. Uh, I I really liked seeing the Unsullied in attack formation. I knew the attack wasn't coming here, but it got me pumped anyway for an inevitable battle that we're going to see. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there are some, there are some things that I expected were going to happen, and they kind of set up in previous episodes that didn't happen, mm-hmm. like logistical challenges of getting the Unsullied from Casterly Rock to King's Landing and making that, you know, a plot point because right. they did, right? They they essentially said, yeah, they're all the way on the other side of the, the freaking planet at this point. Right. Um, so they kind of just skip over that, and I'm okay with it. Uh, I, I don't know. A lot of people did probably had that, a problem with it. Did you think there was a little bit of a baby bump with Cersei going on? Because mm, as, as I, I was watching, I thought that maybe they're trying to suggest that. Because you're, you know all joking about jetpacks aside it would take a not inconsiderable amount of time to march mm-hmm. from casterly rock to king's landing um but i i kind of got the idea that you know maybe six weeks or so and i don't know if that's enough time to march an army and provision them and all that stuff when there's food scarce in a realm but right. i mean it's not it's certainly not the most egregious case mm-hmm. and you know we it, it took a while for a day I, I don't know i don't want i don't it's it's like either either going to accept it or not it, it took a while to get this this white yeah uh it took a while to get all her troops down to king's landing yeah after it right um yeah i i think the timing could line up they just didn't show it to us which is fine right uh, um, I also I, oh, I, 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 I really like this conversation between Braun and Jamie about, about it, the cockless. It's essentially it's cocks all the way down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all cocks in the end. You know what? Um, a shocking amount of the world is about is about cocks. Like yeah. sex, yeah. sex does 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 uh, at a very root primal level run the world and explain a lot of uh, noble and and horrific behavior. Yeah. And in as much as we have a patriarchy now, it uh-huh. was certainly worse back then. Sure, and, sure. Uh, the, yeah, the cock could be the symbol for essentially humanity at that point. Right, right. And as as women, uh, you know, become a bigger part of, of society and civilization, I think we find out that you know clits can rule the world too. Uh, a lot sure. of people, a lot of people. I mean, it's a it's a biological imperative. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, I also 
I also really like the Jamie. Like, there's so much good character work where he's like, oh, yeah, Tyrion, always a champion to downtrodden. But the way he, as he says it, you can even tell. It's like he intends it as a put down, but mm-hmm. there's also a little bit of admiration there. Yeah. And, like, you know, he, he comes about it fairly. And I like the... You know the the essential like rural versus urban divide of John like a million people stacked on each other's ass. Why would you yeah, live that way? Sounds like hell. <laughs> and and Tyrion's like, well, some, number one, there's people like me who would kill themselves if they were stuck in Winterfell for all their life. Poor and also, there's a lot of people that don't want to live this way, but there's not enough jobs. Like, how many yeah. fucking woodcutters do you, or and blacksmiths and shit do you need in Winterfell anyway? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you got to go through the streets of steel to, to peddle, your, peddle your wares. So um, I thought that was interesting. That's like uh, it's it's so it's so indicative of so many problems that we have today in the United States and probably around the world that, like, you cannot imagine another way to live other than the one that you've always lived. Mm-hmm. It's actually even even for a guy like John, it's hard for him to stretch his mind that way. Uh, the other thing that we can note here is there was no magic that stopped the white from coming south uh, beyond the wall. It's alive and well in that case, and it continues to be so. So one could so could surmise that the dead cannot, under their own power, cross such a boundary. But... Or that Benjen is full of shit. <laughs> well, I mean, we've seen whites disintegrate upon a Not at the wall, though. Not at the wall. Yeah. Not at the wall. But, um, like, I think... The night. I mean, I don't know. The Night King had to obliterate the wall across it. So, like, I don't think that's nothing. Because if it's if it's just a physical barrier, do you uh, really think those whites couldn't climb it? I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. I, like, I would. It's a surmise. I would assume it could. I would assume they could. But right, right. Yeah, definitely. The magic is not a thing that they need to worry about. Yeah, uh, up at the wall. Well, now it isn't. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- there's a really quick scene here, and I think you were alluding to this earlier, where Cersei tells the Mountain to kill her enemies in a very specific order if anything goes wrong. Uh, essentially, Danny, Tyrion, and then the others. Uh, then Bronn meets Jon's group and on the road and escorts them to the meeting location, which are the, the dragon pits. Uh, Brienne and the Hound talk about Arya briefly. Tyrion reiterates his offer to pay Bronn double for his loyalty, and Bronn... I don't know, just states how he's looking out for himself, his own interests, by bringing two traitors to Cersei. Uh, I really am loving the reunions in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, It's good to see Pod and Tyrion back together. Yeah. It's good to see Bronn and Tyrion back together, and I like how you know Tyrion's like, I have missed you. When, when Bronn essentially gets the best of him in this conversation, right, and, and makes his point. Uh, and and I, I guess Bronn's sort of reluctant to say yeah it's it's good to be back buddy but right i don't know i i feel like that's very much within bronze character well also i think it, you say that he won the conversation i don't know i think Tyrion Tyrion is a uh, uh, stroke a pretty good uh wound here and also the fact that at the end of this episode jamie abandons this other queen at what point does Bronn start to see that the you know the grass is greener on the other side like both of my yeah. champions are now on the other side. Now is Cersei? Do I trust Cersei uh, to give me castles and gold when I've seen how she treats me? It's like no. So I, mm-hmm. I think that this is this was an opening that Tyrion exploited. That's going to pay off, perhaps next season. Yeah, I, I always, I guess, have faith in Bronn's ability to pivot, though. So it's like, yeah, in sure. this moment, sure, he might be backing the wrong side in mm-hmm. the long run, but. 
Um, he he also is doing the thing he needs to do right now yes. to get by and and to get a leg up. You know, right. like I mean, in any way this goes down, he probably profits from it. I, I certainly believe he could go to Tyrion and say, "Hey, Tyrion, how about that offer?" Yeah, no, <laughs> like sure. if this doesn't go his way, yeah, because and because he does have a valuable skill set, yeah, um, that 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 could be put to use. So. I also like the setting in the the fact that like they did a lot of world building and like lore dumping with the dragon pit where you know mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that they kind of hinted about about the dragons being confined here and and the problem with having dragons like you've got these bat big battle dragons just flying around King's Landing as it became a a a, a prosperous hub that you know the the Targaryens faced a lot of pressure to you know, enslave their dragons essentially and lock them away, and that that has uh, that that diminished them as a people and and as a pow- as a military power, mm-hmm. and that fact that like that they were me- these mortal enemies are are meeting as Tyrion points out at the at, at one of the most dangerous places in the world a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, yeah, um, and the the dueling trust involved that like you can tell like when Bronn marches up with his you know like they're sizing each other up like could we take these guys if we had to mm-hmm. like we're really in the belly of the beast here. Um, yeah. I thought it was great. I thought Brienne and the Hound talking about Arya. Speaking real quick of the belly of the beast, where is the dragon pit? It's exactly. kind of like it's just ruins on this um, the the outskirts. It's within the if I'm correct, and I I, I don't know because it kind of caught me flat footed. Um, okay. I believe it's within the walls of King's Landing, but it's fallen into disrepair really? and ruin. Like hmm. it used to be like an, an arched dome. Yeah, yeah. That can obviously to contain the dragons, and now it no longer is. Uh-huh. I thought it was a little. A little silly that there'd still be dragon bones there. You think so? Like, come on! You don't think that some peasant has picked through every last dragon mm-hmm. bone in any f- bone fragment and sold it for like you know, a souvenir yeah. or something by now? Or like put it into a soup or ground, ground it into right. dust and sold it on the black market? Exactly. <laughs> like you know, we, virility serum. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If if, if we drink, if, if there's people here on this planet to drink bear bile and yeah, eat snort tiger, tiger penis, cock, yeah. then they're for sure dragon bones are going to do something to your <laughs> to your penis for sure. And it's, and it's all cocks all the way cocks. down. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, but Brienne and the Hound being almost like these proud surrogate parents of Arya. Yeah. And, yeah, I like it. Yeah, and like you know, if it, you, no one, you, the only person in danger is people getting in her way. And he's like, "Well, it won't be me." Like I, that that was good. That was a good scene. Yeah, the Hound has kind of come to terms with some of his emotions. You know, <laughs> not not just his ability to kill people. And it mirrors that with Arya too. The fact that like the scene last year where she's talking about how she still wants to kill Sandor and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack slapped and sla- slaps her for telling a lie. Like this, these, these have these have all kind of mirrored each other, and and it's paying off here, for sure. Um, so they arrive at the meeting location, and Cersei shows up. She's mad that Danny's late until Danny oh, rides in on her dragon. We skipped in the fact that like we didn't get the Clegane Bowl, but we got mm-hmm. the weigh in. Yeah, we're you know, about to get to it. Oh, I thought I thought you I thought the Danny makes an interest after Sandor goes and says a shit to his brother. Uh. Maybe so. I mean, this is the whole scene, right? Okay. Like, them all arriving right, all right. and Cersei showing up. Um, and then Tyrion starts to speak. I'm, I'm going to do a lot here. So that's we're gonna why I'm worried about, about. I, I'm worried about missing stuff. I'm so. going to do this whole scene because that's how I do it. All right. Tyrion uh, starts to speak. He's cut off by Euron who tells Theon, hey, I'm going to kill Yara if you don't submit to me right now. Everyone says, shut the fuck up and sit down, Euron. Uh, and then Tyrion pleads their case. After some explanation about the northern threat, Jon says, we've got something to show you. And they bring out the white. Uh, Euron's scared shitless, and he decides to take the fleet back to the Iron Islands and wait out the winter. Cersei agrees to the truth to the truce as long as John makes an oath not to fight in Danny's war. 
Unfortunately, he's a Stark, and he can't do that because he's already made an oath to Danny um, and pledged himself to her. So Cersei storms off. Everyone's pissed at John, and Tyrion says, "I'll go talk to my sister." Right. A lot of shit happened in that scene. Yeah. So like I said, you get the Clegane Bull way in where you know essentially it's like the boxers meet and they put their fists up and like you know it's yeah. like ooh everybody get excited. There's, the there's, 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 there's no love lost between these two. <laughs> um, and then Danny making her interest with the dragons was fucking epic. Yeah, I really... this whole meeting is so fucking good because it's yeah. so tense, right? Yeah. You don't know like as they're walking in and you don't see Cersei around and right. this is like a foreign land and could they know it could be a trap. They could all just get blown up here with wildfire, and and and, and they're thinking that it's going through the head. And you on can the other side, it. Danny could come in and with one breath of Drogon, fucking end this war in its entirety. Sure, yeah. Uh, no, it's super tense, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, and I just loved like the the the. I cannot believe how they shit the bed on Danny mounting Drogon to fly out of the fighting pits of Marine, and mm-hmm. then they can pull off a scene like this where like everything worked, like the mocap and her, like the fact that Drogon, like just like I thought it was just such a cool thing how low he got to the ground, like how much effort yeah. this dragon took to scrape before to make sure that she didn't even have to work to get down, like uh-huh. like they just show with like with wordlessly how under control these dragons were as opposed to two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I thought you know it's like I said I don't I, my rap you know a lot of times with watching the show my head and my guts get into a fight because my my head's like uh, and my guts like yeah right um, and I just feel like that like my head says like maybe I wish that I'd known a little bit more about how she actually got this control of the dragons mm-hmm. and it wasn't just oh some mystical connection they have but uh, they sold it and and I'm buying yeah uh, were you afraid. That the whole Michigan J frog theory of the white just not working when it got to King's Landing was going like with, I, with how long they took for I, for the reveal. They yeah. were totally baiting us on that. Yeah, and absolutely. I, and I thought because I was just about to laugh like, oh my god, the Night King <laughs> is having a good old time cutting uh-huh. strings to the puppet, and it's just going his rotting corpse. And like, and then then what the hell is going to happen? Yeah. But then when it came out, it was so ferocious, mm-hmm. and with Cersei's backstory and the fact that she's pregnant now, like that. You know, I I scratched my head about like why the fuck is Cersei pregnant? But that little detail sold me on all the machinations that they have to do the rest of this plot. Right. Because they have made that a consistent point that Cersei, she got good cheekbones, she loves her kids. Mm-hmm. So I and and now that that this is the future of her dynasty, um like I totally bought everything. Like all the reversals, all the false starts, all that stuff because they established that fact. So Kudos, because I know that was a uh, you know people kind of derided that like oh pff, out of nowhere Cersei's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's pretty vital to the plot. Yeah, and there's a lot going on here that on first viewing, when you don't understand that this is a, a switcheroo and a, a ruse, um, it it either it doesn't make a ton of sense um, or it's like yeah okay I see what they were doing there, but also. Like, when you know what's happening, it makes it so much cooler. Like, Euron, right? Like, I could totally see a guy like Euron saying, you know what, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah, I don't need right. any of this. I'm, I'm going to wait you all out. I'm going to, after winter, I, I wonder how well that works when your island's made of fucking rocks and you have no food for <laughs> an indeterminable amount of time as you wait out the winter. Right. Could be 10 years. Could be 100 years. Who knows? Right. Uh, but but then it becomes so much deeper, right, when you realize that this is part of the plan. Right. And... and a lot of people are asking, like, oh, how the hell could it be part of the plan? They had no idea that there was going to be a white here. I don't know that's true. 
Um, okay, A, it might not be true. Because but B, there's, there's been a, thir- a through point this whole season about, like, how the fuck does Cersei keep knowing all these things that she shouldn't be able to know? And and yeah. I do think that there is a strong possibility that there is a betrayer um, uh, or or at least a double agent on, on Danny's side. It's and that, possible. Yeah. And that, so, but, but It'd even, be hilarious if it was Jorah. <laughs> again, back. again, right, Jorah right. with come the betrayals. On, come on, you know Cersei's. Yeah, it's come on. You, you don't need Cersei's pardon now. You've got the queen and her dragons. Right. Uh, so, you, so that's one. That's one possibility. But I think you're about to articulate the other. The other is that this is a general idea that they have, and that Euron right. seizes upon this moment, this opportunity exactly. to say, "Okay, th- I'm, I'm going to I'm going to execute the plan that we said, which is to basically show that we're not unified in any kind of way." Right. You know, and and I think it's a great juxtaposition between the unity that Danny and her crew are showing, right, and the disorganization and lack of unity that Cersei. And, and if you keep that has. thought going, like the fact that Euron was so belligerent at the beginning is 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 all part of the part he was playing because right. he is setting up this bullshit rift between him and Cersei yeah. so that he can bone out for any reason. Like maybe he's like, right. oh, you want to march, you know, or whatever the Danny and John, he was going to have some objections. Like this is not the thing I signed up for. Bullshit, I'm out. Right. And they've already worked out going and getting the Golden Company. And it just so happened that there was a very, very good reason for Yeah, so it's like, off. yeah, like the fact that, and, and the fact, and, you know, if he bones off and, you know, later Cersei sends him a raven saying, no, it's cool. Like, I mean... To me, it works either way. Either yeah. they knew exactly what was going to happen and planned it all, or like you said, they were improvising the whole thing with the general idea that at some point, because that's before they saw the corpse, Your Honor's already causing these divisions, right? Which makes a hell of a lot of sense uh, when you think of it in terms of them just you know doing this this whole play acting. Mm-hmm. Now, the other question is like, how deep does that go? Like. Why – I guess my big question is why did she change her mind and say, like, not agree to armistice and then storm off if her plan was to convince them that she was going to march north of them after all? I feel like this is her plan to actually convince them. Like, if she says, okay, fine – I think what happens here is she knows that she can ask for something that she'll never get, right? Yeah. She understands who Ned is yeah. very, very deeply, right? And she and, knows that that's something that she – yeah. And she knows, therefore, who John is. And right. so when she asks for this thing that he can't give – But she doesn't know she he knows, can't give it. That's the thing. And the other thing is yeah. – here's the other thing before we get to the hmm. scene is it seems to me that the position that she's in at the end where she says, yes, we will march north and stand together is a much less strong position than saying, all right, I'll withdraw my forces and stay here because – and it'd be one thing if she sent like a token force just so she could, because she 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 brings up this point of like, oh yes, you're going to go march north on this magical crusade, and I'm just going to pull my forces back and not have any scouts and no sources of information, haha, mm-hmm. about what you're doing. Um, it just seems like now, if she did that, then the allies go north and they don't know that Cersei's betraying them, or they don't know they're getting the Golden Company. They're going to know very quickly because Jamie's writing out the meetings like, oh yeah, my sister just fucked us all. No, I think Jamie defected this episode. I do, but he's going really to go think... tell John like, hey, yes, yeah. all that thing that Cersei, yeah. So like, so now, what is the point of the subterfuge? Because the subterfuge is, <laughs> I guess that's where Cersei just miscalculated on Jamie. She thought she either would... that or she's still betting on Jamie not totally defecting. But also at some point like where John and Danny as back. they're mounting their forces at Winterfell and moving on the Muslims are like are like, hey, aren't we expecting like ten thousand Lannisters to jetpack right, in? Checking their watch. Yeah. Like, you know, when we jetpacked in, we had a we had a northerly wind <laughs> helping us out, made us but but still the jetpacks work, right? Like it seems like that this is just a weaker position 
So that's the one thing that bothers me. But also, yeah. I'm not going to make the mistake of calling bullshit on his plan until I see it work out because... Yeah, the other thing is she might just be forcing them to waste time expecting her to do something. Right. You know, like if if it's a last-minute thing where they look at their watches and Cersei's troops aren't there, but they've got to go anyway. Right. Then they have no choice. It's like John in Battle of the Bastards. And and she puts Danny in a weaker position. She wants to bleed them out. And if they're relying on them for extra forces, that they're going to plan on something that's not going to come true. And then then they'll have a hastily improvised plan. I mean, you know, that's that's bad military strategy. Right. So, which means it's going to kill a lot of Targaryens and Northerners, and that's good for Cersei. Yeah. Now, I think the strategy is pretty sound. The problem with it is like she's still got to know that if if the Northerners die, it's not like they're bleeding each other out. Every yeah. person that the Night Kings killed makes him stronger. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that's the one thing she still. But the thing is, is I buy it because in the books, Cersei is unfathomably arrogant mm-hmm. and almost as unfathomably dense. Yeah. So I could see her, and like this is this is this is actually one of her more elegant plots if if it comes to fruition in the books. But so many like like her turning over the kingdom to the fucking faith militant. Mm-hmm. Oh, with one stroke I've saw the even my father could never see me doing. And then she's she's you know like when she's talking about Tyrion like the jackals ripping and and the vultures ripping at her. I'm like no, you did you you let him. Yeah. You, you like laid down, coated yourself with barbecue sauce, and said, "Come on, rip rip us apart, rip us apart." Faith militant and Tyra and everybody else. I mean, yeah. So like, it works either way. Like, she's either taking a level and master strategist, or this is just another <laughs> dumb Cersei plot that Jamie uh-huh. sees for what it is, and he's like, "No, fuck this." I mean, it, I, I'm almost morally certain that she will regret this you know <laughs> you i think? i mean i don't think cersei's sitting on the iron throne at the end of this thing so yeah, it just depends this, e- even if it's a brilliant strategy i think she's right. still done for and it's that's just a last and thing. by the way this here is also why i don't like i'm not on the like little finger should have gone out a better way no little finger ran out to the end of his rope hell yeah this is what happens when you run yeah. out to what was his other master play to run away and sit out to like he's played all his cards. He has no cards in hand, yeah. and he's facing we'll a, get to that. a deck but, full of but, gas. But I'm saying like, yeah, this like I felt like that. You know, again, the reason that I'm free with my criticism, and I don't agree with it, so people hopefully believe me when I'm on the other end. Is like, I really do think that most of this stuff tracks with. It doesn't didn't make strict logical sense, but all this stuff at the end does seem like it derives from what these characters would actually do, as I know them. Mm-hmm. There's none like, you know, so let's continue. We can develop Except that for the mountain, who seems almost completely useless as a bodyguard. Like, this, this <laughs> white comes charging in. Who got hurt? <laughs> Nobody. He's a pretty damn good bodyguard. He didn't, he didn't fucking move when this white comes charging in and, and to snap at Cersei. Yeah, I, I saw a he, lot of people moved. thinking that the mountain would have been better off if he, or it had been better off if the mountain had, like, cut the thing in half and mm-hmm. it still didn't die so they can right. just show how futile like like even your strongest defender is going to be nothing now could yeah. be the mountain state is hand out of professional courtesy to a fellow zombie uh you think so <laughs> yeah brother. i wonder what's going because i the other thing about sandor is like he saw right away that like yeah you're my brother but you're not really my brother hmm. like yeah. like I still wants to kill him though. I wonder you know, like what is going you. on at the mountain. I would like I don't think we're ever going to get the answers to that, but like what exactly biologically, scientifically is making him tick? Like does he have any agency at all left? I don't know. Is he only loyalty to Cersei? Is she, is 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 Kyburn got a backdoor into him so when things look lost he can you know I, I climb the, in and pilot him like a 
like a mech or just be like you know uh order 66 and he kills cersei oh yeah and he's like okay now put me on your shoulders and run as fast as you can south we will i will swim to the summer isles on your back sir gregor (laughs) uh so john's calling this the great war did he make that up or is that something from the books i don't know i think he's biting on world war one okay he's listening to too many dan carlin podcasts yeah uh and then we seems like a terrible war to me nothing great about it uh we didn't really talk about it. I didn't even mention it, but there's the moment between Jamie and Brienne where she's trying to convince him. She basically tells the Oathbreaker, fuck loyalty. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right move. But I, I also thought him. it was great how when you know Jamie's coming in with Cersei, like he was cold as ice to her. Didn't even acknowledge her. Yeah. Um so she was like and also I think she's got a point and and the the character that's the biggest proponent of loyalty and oath saying, seriously, this is horseshit. Do you not see the crazy zombie? Yeah. Like, this is this is not someone you can parlay with. This is not someone you can get an armistice out of. This is not someone who will grant you lands or castles or any concession. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, this is all so much bullshit. Like, it, I think she's really bought into the, John, the John's overall thesis of it's the dead versus the living. For sure. And anyone that's not on the living side is 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 bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I asked earlier where the dragon pit is um, is because the Lannisters just kind of leave them totally unattended at this dragon pit at <laughs> right, the end. Right. I'm like, really? You're going to leave your fiercest enemies within your walls totally unattended? That's surprising. That's, but, right. Well, but when you, when you want to leave in a huff... <laughs> yeah, you gotta leave in a huff. You either do or you don't. Also, what do you think of um, John's speech about, um, you know, essentially, if enough, like, like if enough people make false promises, the yeah. words mean nothing. He's right. He's yeah, absolutely and it's, right. And, but that's the, the. I mean, we we talked about this last week. Like, that's the ultimate political quicksand. That like. Mm-hmm. You know, might makes right, and I'll be do the good thing once I get into power. But by the time you get into power, you've compromised so many things that define the right thing that you you kind of lose your way. And it, it, I, yeah. I do think it gets e- every time you fucking break a promise or do something wrong, it becomes easier to do so the next time. Sure. So the the problem in real life is that lying is just such a excellent tool for getting one out getting one out of problems. And by the time right. it no longer works, you're so fucked anyway. It doesn't matter. So. Like, there's almost yeah. no downside to the first few lies you tell. <laughs> yeah, and and also, like, it, it sort of creates an unlevel playing field, too. Yeah. When one of your enemies is able to lie and you're not, um, it, you know, that I mean, that's that's the problem here. Like, if they were straight up facing Cersei here and it was right. John versus Cersei, I think Cersei would probably win just because John's too much like his father. Yeah, and I think that's where John misses it. Like, the fact that, like, this is the game and this is the way it's played. Um, what I guess what really is... Bo- I, the the thing is is like if both sides lie that's fine as long as you know what the other person would do rationally, uh-huh. and that's why you like North Korea is such a huge problem because what will these people do rationally? Can you like you know like we can think about like what the Soviet Union would do when it comes to nukes rationally? Does this person who's a third generation god king going to act rationally when it comes to his people's best interests and all that politically? I I don't know, and that's the thing with Cersei. It's like. Yeah, it's 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 not the problem that she lies because like Lady Olena and Tywin long time played the game knowing each other lying, but they're like, well, the Lannisters actually need this and I actually need this. So even between the lies, you can see where their interests light up. But Cersei, who the fuck knows? Yeah, 
But I, John, I feel like the Game of Thrones, right? You either lie or you lose. Like, right, right, right. It's a prisoner's dilemma, right? Yeah. Like it's it's statistic. It's it's beneficial if everyone collaborates, mm-hmm. but yet the uh, the 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 disparity between one collaborating and one betraying is so good that like the logical yeah. thing to do is both betray. Right. Uh, I yeah, it's it's fucking crazy, man. Game theory is insane. Okay, ready to move on? Yes. Uh, before going to going to speak with Cersei, Tyrion and Jamie say their goodbyes, one idiot to another. Uh, Tyrion speaks with Cersei. Uh, Cersei basically tut tuts him for destroying their family by killing Tywin, and he suggests that she have the mountain kill him, and tries to goad her into it, but she can't do it. Uh, so he pours them both a drink and insists that he love the children. Cersei doesn't care about him or anything; she only cares about her family and herself, essentially here. Uh, and Tyrion realizes through her mannerisms that she's pregnant. Congratulations, Tyrion. You've fallen into her trap. I think that the dialogue here was great. Like, when Cersei comes, of course she goes, oh, you know, you've brought another foreign whore who doesn't know her place into the Red Keep, and he's like, Mm -hmm. oh, and this one you can't bully or intimidate or kidnap. Yep. Um, And then the fact that she tries to pull this children thing on him and he's like you know like you, you know that i love your children i always did like like uh i mean it's debatable about joffrey but tommen and marcella were were decent kids and uh-huh. like she knows that and here she he challenges like i i thought i thought the i thought when he like i did you think that Tyrion could actually die here uh yeah I did. I, I did a little bit, not as strongly as Jamie, but like I mm-hmm. did, and like I thought that uh, Peter Dinklage really sold the relief, like when he called the yeah. bluff and it and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing: uh, when and this is where all the conspiracy theories is born. They're drinking wine and talking about how much they love the family, and then the next time she comes forth, she's got this duplicious plan. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of people are saying, "Well, Tyrion is." And maybe he doesn't see it as betraying Danny, but he's doing something like promising her the Westerlands or like, you know, Casterly Rock back because she can be the Lord's protector or some kind of like power sharing that Danny's not into. I just don't see any evidence for it other than the fact that we, the absence of evidence. Right. The absence of evidence certainly could just mean he had a conversation where he quote unquote convinced her. Right. right? Um, all part of her plan, but right. he thinks it's not. Um, the other thing is uh, maybe there's a little bit of evidence for I, I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate because I don't know that I believe this, uh-huh. but there is a little bit of evidence where Cersei says, "I trust that you will remember this, like that I that I came to help you." But it's all part of a ruse, and it's right? All like passive aggressive narcissist bullshit. Like I'm going to do the right thing, but you guys won't appreciate it, and you won't remember it, and like all this, like okay, whatever. You I mean, know. Tyrion, yeah, Tyrion would have to be in on the ruse at this point. I, I do think, here's the one criticism of this scene, is I don't know why Danny didn't have anything to offer Cersei. Because Cersei mm-hmm. had a dead point. It's like, why should I agree to this when it's essentially calling time out so you can gather your strength and kick me in the ass later? Yeah. Like, I thought it would been, it would have been a lot more clever if... Tyrion had come in with an offer like, we will restore your rights to Casterly Rock in return for this and mm-hmm. guarantee you sovereignty over blah, 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 or whatever, you know? Like, essentially giving them back the status quo before the Targaryen Rebellion ever happened. Yeah. And that, to Cersei, is a big loss, but it's something. They didn't give her anything. They didn't even give her 
uh, Jon Snow saying that I will I will be neutral in the fight. Like they gave her well, nothing. I, I think what they give her and what's implied here with cutting from Tyrion realizing she's pregnant to her saying I'm I'm on your side is they gave her child the opportunity to live. Oh, like y- Tyrion you're right. once it, once that scene cuts, Tyrion is able to convince her because of her child that the best course of strategy, the only course of strategy here for her child's life is to cooperate. And I think that if they had shown that where Tyrion realized she was pregnant and now knows that something, but like Tyrion came into that meeting not knowing that she was pregnant and knowing that Cersei's power mad, doesn't care about her life or any or anyone in the realms and protecting anyone, like like that's the whole thing, the whole like part of the whole spiel about, you know, queen of the first men and the andals and the and, and all that is like you're also defender of the realm. Sure, and yeah. she completely shirks that ability, and, and and Tyrion fucking knows that. So he came in with no nothing to offer her, mm-hmm. um, and I wish that they had at least tried because like, I don't think Cersei would take it. But that's at least you know that's a pretty big carrot to like look bygones last twenty years bygones will will go back mm-hmm. to the state of the way things were. Yeah, and the fact that they didn't, I felt, was a little short sighted and made. You know, made Danny look pig-headed, which they kind of have. I feel like maybe that's starting to be just a character trait. She's a little bit pig-headed. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. give her shit. I'm not going to give Johnson. I'm going to recognize Johnson. He's got to bend the fucking knee. Right. Uh, I, I do think, you know, despite what maybe they could have done more, I think this is the scene that really, to me, says, hey, this is a return to form sure. for Game of Thrones. Like, two characters who have a storied history sitting yeah. down together and having a conversation uh, over, you know, one of them over wine. Well, this goes back to, like, I read the interesting thread on Reddit last week where it's like, you know, people are talking about this boneheaded white plan, and they're like, it would have been better had Cersei come up with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like if they had had this parlay, and she's like, well, I don't believe you, and this is bullshit. Like, it's obvious, like, if, if you know, like, and I think most reasonable viewers would be, would look at that and be like, okay, well, yeah. You can't come to this queen and say, lay down your arms so we can take care of this threat that no one's ever heard of. And it sounds like bullshit uh, with no guarantees or anything. And then they strike on the idea that, like, oh, we need to bring someone back to convince Cersei. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that happens all the time. Like, you, the hero gets an impossible quest from, you know, the villain and he has to go. Like, I, I feel like that – and it's weird. I didn't think of that until I saw the thread. But, like, it is weird that they didn't think of, like, little details like that. Like, just change the pacing around a little bit. Instead of the heroes coming up with a crazy plan, make it some kind of impossible challenge the villain throws down at them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter in the end anyway because, of course, yeah. it doesn't. But that's what I'm saying. Like, this was good. But I do think even in the finale, there could have been a, t- a few touches that would have made it even better. Um, so we kind of talked mostly about this scene. I'm just going to recap it real quick and then move on. Uh, Danny tells John that she respects what he did, and they talk about the dragon pits being the end of her family. Um, and she kind of laments the loss of the dragons and, and as such her family. Uh, John says she's still alive, so her family is still alive, and that she might still be able to have kids despite the crazy old witch's prophecy. I like I like Danny's face there. Like she's like, "Oh, John, so sweet you mansplaining the fact that I haven't had a period." And it's not just a witch, you idiot. Right. Like I haven't had my moon's blood for 3 years now or whatever. Like yeah. you know, like let, let the let's let have the man sit down and teach teach the woman how the reproductive system works. Yeah. I feel like that it would have been way more convincing if it was like Melisandre, right? Like, listen, prophecies yeah sure not all they're cracked up to be <laughs> right but it's then it's like that's the thing like i know they haven't established that on the show but like that'd be yeah. a real thing if like she's suddenly turned barren and i also yeah, it's probably possible to get a period and still be infertile like, all, I, sure. I, I don't understand it either 
I'm so he saying. he asks what's next, and when there's when there's an instance of fucked. a legitimate error, Danny's body will have a way of like starting that whole thing up. I guess so. That's that's life finds a way. Yes, exactly. Uh, so he asks what's next. He realizes they're fucked, and then Tyrion shows up, followed by Cersei, who says she'll send her armies to the cause up north and fight alongside them. We know that's bullshit. Uh, then we go over to Winterfell, where Sansa worries about the John's message, and Littlefinger says. You know, you could just unname John as king in the north, and you could take the title, become Lady of Winterfell. She says Arya wouldn't allow it. Littlefinger says, uh, t- tells her how to understand Arya's motivations essentially by playing his his version of the game of faces, which is assume the worst. She plays the game and realizes that Arya could be here to kill her and become the Lady of Winterfell. We know this is all a ruse eventually, I, and I think that like there's. There's a lot of ways you can read what's going on here, but I I think that it's pretty clear that at at nothing else this is the point where Sansa realized she's being played because yeah, at yeah. the end the last the thing that Littlefinger's guiding her towards Sansa knows in her bones that that's not Arya's motivation. Mm-hmm. Like last episode was about Arya convincing herself that Sansa was true blue for Starks, yeah. playing the game of faces with her, and then letting Sansa make the decision because she can't force her. Right. Um and this was the episode where like she's like, Wait, Arya's doing this to be the lady of fucking Winterfell? The late Arya's never wanted to be the lady of Winterfell. This is bullshit. I'm yeah. a slow learner, but I have finally learned and now I'm going to fuck you. I-, I feel like in this scene, question number two, like what what is her motivation? And uh-huh. uh she's already onto Littlefinger and she's using the questions that he's asking right. to measure him. Right. You know? She's saying Arya, but she's meaning Littlefinger. Right. And there's also hints that, of course, a meeting between the Starks happened because, you know, Sansa gave, or Arya gave Sansa the knife. Mm-hmm. When she executes Peter, she's got the knife. So we know. Like, there's there's multiple hints of this isn't just something we're just guessing at. There's multiple hints that... You know, Arya figured out something about Sansa last episode. Sansa figured out something about Arya last episode. Now here's evidence that they've worked together. Here's the wild card brand, and now <laughs> I like what you said in the instant take like, because storytelling, like it's a right. way more interesting way to tell this story. And, and people than are to like, lay it all out. Well, what is this scene for? Is it for Arya or is it for Sansa or is it for the Lords of the North? It's and for it's us. like it's for the audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. Why did Peter jump up behind Ned and put a knife to his neck? Mm-hmm. Like, literally every gold cloak in the room and the, the fucking <laughs> Kingsguard and, like, the Hound had yeah. had swords out. The, like, that's dumb. Why would Peter take the risk that Ned would break him in half? To because it was fucking the betrayal cool. To the audience, yeah. right. Yeah, so he could get that stinger of a line. Yep. All right, John plans their journey to Winterfell. Uh, when I say there, I mean everybody. Jorah suggests that Danny fly instead of traveling with John so that she can't get killed by the angry Northerners. And also so you won't be able to be boned by John because I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to cockblock John as, 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 as hard as I Give ever can. Give it up, Jorah. I Give mean, it up, it's, man. It was so transparent. I mean, yeah. it was definitely good advice, but it was coming from <laughs> yeah. a place of, like, you know, dishonest intent, I think. For sure. He doesn't like this handsome uh, this handsome Northerner that's... And John's doing the same, right? When he says, oh, the Northerners need to see us as allies. No, fuck, yeah, fuck no, you, no, man. No, it's all aboard the love boat, Danny. Come on. <laughs> right. Come on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, John says they need to travel together. Danny agrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, where exactly is White Harbor? I'm curious. It is on the west coast of Westeros, right, okay. just immediately like north of the Neck, and it's where the Mander the the Manderleys uh, 
uh, own that. And it's the richest port. It's the richest port. It's the richest town in the north by far. Most populous, too. So so are they sailing there to to meet up and then hike to Winterfell? Or? I think so. Okay. I think so, because be, there's probably more roads. and It'd probably be the swiftest way to sail around Westeros and go there and then travel over land. Okay. I don't, it does, uh, honestly, the... The logistics of this doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Why doesn't Danny just fly her? And I'm, Like, here's the thing. Both of you take the dragon. Here's my big question. Like, you've done How? it before. Just fly together in Winterfell and be like, kaboom, we are the fucking super couple. <laughs> yeah, but my biggest question in this whole scene is how? How are they sailing anywhere? Why? They have no fleet. It all got burned or, or destroyed. Oh, no, they've got... They no, got, they... no, everything. Euron destroyed Yara's fleet that was going south. But Tyrion the said... The fleet at Casterly Rock got destroyed when, when they took it. Tyrion said two episodes ago that... And I even pointed out how absurd it was, but he said, we have just enough fleet to do something. I forget what it so was. So they have fleet but... in reserve Plus, for 100 John's got boats. The North has got boats. John had bo- all those boats that Stannis left them. Hmm. I mean, dude, I'm not going to... Suspect. I, I, <laughs> but, no but I'll, I'll believe shit. it. No shit. Shit! I'll like I want to see the kayak receipts for all this. I want to yeah. see the travelocity bookings, but we're not going to get them. So <laughs> jetpacks for everybody. Yep. Uh, okay. Theon tells John that he's ashamed of his actions and he can't decide whether he's a Greyjoy or a Stark. John says you're both, which seems to make sense to Theon. So he goes out to the Iron Islanders and tells them we're going to save Yara. Tough guy says no. He beats Theon senseless. Uh, Theon refuses to stay down and gets the upper hand when the guy goes for a low blow. Theon wins the fight, and they set off in a tiny boat to go save Yara. At least I think that's what happens at the end of this scene. Yeah. There's yeah. a very small boat. I mean, so... I, I, Yara did kind of the same thing in a tiny boat, but... Yeah. Uh, they're like the, the SEAL Team 6 of Greyjoy. The the Squid, the squid Team 6. Yeah. Uh, I So, here's the thing. I really like the scene between Theon and Jon. I do, too. And I think this is another way that Jon is an excellent leader because he's got this ally. He doesn't like him. He's got every reason to hate him. But he sees there's genuine remorse here. Mm-hmm. And instead of kicking the guy wise down and making him less valuable, he gives the guy a hand up. And yeah. says, like, this is the whole, this is what tormented Theon before. He didn't want to make that choice between being a Greyjoy and a Stark. And mm-hmm. he was forced to do so. Yep. And he's been punished for it ever since. So I like the idea he gives the mission. I just feel like this whole invincible, everything about the, like, the <laughs> fact that he, he won those men to his side just because he wore this guy out from kneeing his crotch two months and then <laughs> beat him half to death. And then it's Foriara. Like, I, again, Theon used to be pretty good with a sword, and like I thought that like the, what the, this is going to be story was is like all he needed was confidence and and from from some kindness and forgiveness, and he didn't even get from his from his sister, mm-hmm. and that was going to re, you know remind him of who the fuck he was, and he's going to go there and take care of business. I but we go with the invincible crotch. By the way, I, it was a joke, but thank you for all the ladies who informed me that, yes, indeed, getting kicked in the oh, clit is not a good experience. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, no. so, like, confer- myth confirmed. I, I was going to say, busted. I, I can't imagine, but I can't totally imagine. It would not yeah. feel feel good. Yeah, like, any place, like, like being kicked in your hip bone would yeah. hurt. You're, there's no place where there's, like, thin layer of skin over elbow, bone. Elbow, maybe. I mean, that's that's the funny bone. You don't want to mess with your funny bone. Yeah. It's even worse. Yeah. I don't know. The pointy part. Let <laughs> me kick. Let me tell you what. Right now, I'll make this offer. I will I, I will settle it. I'll kick you as hard as I can in your elbow. Do you take that deal? No, I'm not Because you know it's going <laughs> to fucking hurt. Not interested. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. I think this scene was all about proving Braun and Jamie's conversation from the beginning untrue, where the cockless do fight for their families. Yeah. 
because Theon has a family. And I mean, he's this cockless. is this is like there is a low key. Um, all the undesirables in the world are banding yeah. together to rule, to like, fight for what's the right. The eunuchs, the 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 dwarves, the women, the slaves—they're all coming together and saying, "Fuck this bullshit order! We're going to make a change." Yeah, and I think that's the thing that the people in power, like Jamie, don't see is that right. They, they've had an easy life, right? right? In as much as anybody in that world has an easy life, they've been the privileged. Sure. And they can't imagine a scenario in which people would be downtrodden. Right. And, and so when you get a whole bunch or, of people who aren't fighting for their own selfish desires, right. they're just fighting to generally make the world better. They right. can't understand it. Or they think that the downtrodden are there because they're too stupid to be a lord or lady yeah sure <laughs> you know? oh, right a lot they're too that. stupid to be like, born into royalty <laughs> right yeah. nobility yeah like you know claw your way up like brawn of the blackwater <laughs> yeah so yeah there's a lot of that now it's interesting because it, it's because you know history is replete with the downtrodden throwing over the privilege and then making a fucking mess of things sure uh lots of revolutions start off with good and and, and that's the thing where i don't you know, George has always talked about, like, he's got many criticisms of Tolkien while still acknowledging his greatness. But one of the things is, like, I want to know what happens after the war. Like, what are the, do the orcs all die? Do they come up with peace with the human? Like, I wonder how much we'll get that in the series because it is, it's easy to imagine Danny having a lot of problems breaking the wheel and getting the, the society to work. Like, that's a big ask, and that's a big job, and you could tell a lot of cool stories about the fits and starts of that. But I, I don't know, because yeah, I mean, it doesn't even... seem like there's – it seems like there's barely enough time to finish the main plot and then to have, like, the scouring of the Shire after log where, yeah. you know, the hobbits go back to the Shire and set things right. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was it. weird even when I read it in Return of the King. Like, really? We're going to go back and the hobbits are going to fucking – Kick ass in the Shire, okay. Yeah, I, sure. I mean, you look at historically uh, in our real world, um, when cities or nations have been conquered, the integration is a huge problem. Uh, and, and it comes down to a lot of things, religion being a primary one, right? She, like, yeah. Danny doesn't share the religion of the vast majority of the people in right. this land. So how is she going to bring them to her side? I mean, America's known as the melting pot, and we fuck it up all the time. Right. Like, every time you in, in, introduce a new element in the melting pot, oh, this is going to be the one that fucks it all up, guys. Yeah. So I, the... I don't know. I don't think they'll really have time to get to the end. Yeah. Uh, well, once they get to the end of the series. Anyway, we go back to Winterfell. Sansa has Arya called to the Great Hall. She pulls a switcheroo on Littlefinger and convicts him of murder instead of Arya and treason also. I still love the performance there. Uh, that, he just, when he, he realizes. He just like, oh, 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 yeah, what, it's, it's what, great. What name great. did they say? <laughs> And I went back and forth about whether Aiden Gillian uh, was too much. Like, there's this one point where he's on his knees begging for it and his mm-hmm. voice is cracking. But I'm like, I mean, he might – that might be a put-on. He's literally – he's trying to uh, appeal to Sansa's softer side. So, yeah. like, he's got no pride. Blubber. Sure. Like, Ned wouldn't blubber, but, you know, Littlefinger would. Yeah, he's just trying to get out of the situation. Um, he, he tries to defend himself with words, but Arya cuts his throat. Um, and that's pretty much the scene. I, I think, yeah, there was an absolutely perfect reaction from Aiden Gillen in this scene. Uh, and then I, I think 
his performance was great all around. I'm right. sure some people have problems with it, but so now we did say that this this scene was for the audience as a as a crowd pleaser. But I also yeah. do think it should any any scenes like that should also be underpinned by some kind of logic. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's something to be said because Littlefinger has been going to all these lords and making overtures, and you know Sans is not sure what all they know and there is there is a excuse to kind of like you know some of this theatrics for the northern lord so like you know we can drop this guy betrayed ned stark who everybody in this room loves this guy portrayed you know liza aaron and john like who everyone probably had mixed emotions about but john aaron and the in the which everybody loved and like just getting that all out to where like you know all these facts are on the table and everyone's got this surge of kind of like yeah fuck Littlefinger, not give him a chance Mm -hmm. to you know, not 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 arrest him and send him into jail right. for however many long to let him come up with a scheme. Yeah, and just sprinkle gold done. on people and, and weasel his way out of it. And there's yeah. also the, another thread is people saying, "Why didn't Littlefinger get the fuck out as soon as Bran started saying, oh, I saw you climbing this chaos ladder?'" Like, but I'm like, I don't. I think number one, Littlefinger's allowed to have a tragic flaw, mm-hmm. and that is his soft spot for Sansa. Uh huh. Um, and it's not like that he won't sell her out to the rand, but like I do think that he is trying to navigate this picture of him on the Iron Throne with Sansa on by his side. Going away from Winterfell and running does not that that just rips up the picture and admits defeat. Yeah. Also, like okay, Bran says some surprising things, right? But what conclusion do you jump to from that? That he can see everything that's ever happened. Right. And that he could peek in on memories that he knows no one was there to see. Yeah, like, like I don't even think Bran what? knows. Like, I think this episode establishes that not yeah. like, like we, we talked about in the beginning, and I, I floated his theory is like, well, maybe, you know, his mind is like a Dewey Decimal System and mm-hmm. a library, and he can he can know anything, but he has to know where to look, and he has yeah. to know the right things, and that, that seems right. So I think it's a stretch to be like Littlefinger's going to completely abandon his life's work mm-hmm. because in his mind... I've played sister against sister. I've put, I've put family against family. I will be able to to sort this out. And what yeah. he didn't count on is Ned's lesson to his family was stronger than all that about mm-hmm. how the fact that and and that's why it didn't work because this pack stayed together yeah. and and didn't freeze anybody out. So I I thought it worked. I thought it was all there. Like it take it took four episodes to and and like you know and also I thought. It was right for Arya and Sansa to have a little bit of enmity and suspicion of each other mm-hmm. um, because there was a lot of good reasons and they needed to sort that out. And I thought this was a pretty interesting and thrilling way to do it. I agree. Uh, so I'm gonna I, I'm gonna jump in here for a second and say people who are casual viewers might be wondering why Littlefinger doesn't try and weasel out by asking for a trial by combat or something. And it's because the North doesn't honor those traditions. That's a faith of the seven sort of thing. Right. Um, so they don't have a trial by combat up North. So he couldn't right. have, even if he wanted it's to. A debate. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't try. And then Sansa could be like, we don't follow the, I, he probably knows that. I'm, I'm just saying it would have, I, I do think that that, that they showed him trying to peel the Ron, the Jan Royce. Uh-huh. Um, and then and that, that was hilarious. Like, I think not. <laughs> right. And then like, I, I just don't feel like they, they, the pacing could have been improved by having him flail to something else. Like I demand trial by combat, and then mm-hmm. Sansa's like, "Okay, any ch- anyone want to champion Littlefinger?" <laughs> and right. it's not even a custom we we do up like, here. This, but she's she's like, she, I mean, that'd have been a badass scene. Like, uh, okay, uh, does anyone want to be my champion? And like, literally every man unsheaths his sword, and then anyone for <laughs> Littlefinger and her side's like, okay, 
You're at, or give 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 uh, Sir ba- or Lord Baelish a weapon to defend. Yeah, I'm doing right. fucking fan fiction now. The shit I hate, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I think they're again. It could have been better, but it was pretty damn good and mm-hmm. all consistent with the characters. That was great. And now I think Sans has turned a permanent. Sans and Arya both have turned permanent. Um, like turned a permanent course in their 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 characters. Now they're like sure. they're set in stone. And it took a while to get there, but I, I like where we're at. Okay, so Jamie's planning the march north with their forces. Uh, Cersei excuses everyone and tells Jamie, "We're not doing any of that because I lied about the expedition north." She also reveals that the ruse um, with Euron was exactly that, and he's actually going to pick up the Golden Company to take back the lands they've lost. Jamie's pissed that she didn't tell him and says he intends to honor his pledge to ride north. She calls it treason and threatens to have the mountain kill him. It's fortunately, I think, a bluff, and Jamie calls it, and then he rides out of the city where it starts snowing. Uh, and then uh, we're not going to – I'm not probably going to recap this, but we get an awesome montage of, of kind of just a lot of different views of King's Landing as it begins to snow and the snow starts to stick and, and mount. Uh, it's real ominous. Yeah. And, and that slowed-down kind of low-key version of the Game of Thrones theme – really works here and they're showing the darkness settling over king's landing yeah. like again i just i think we're going to go to dark places with cersei next year because <laughs> i i mentioned that on darker it take about her like just sitting there brooding like some giant spider in her web with her with her child in her belly and just just mm-hmm. and kyburn whispering in her ear and the mountain glowering around and king's landing under all this gloom and people starving it's going to be fucking dire shit yeah um also uh 20,000 men, horses, and elephants? That sounds pretty... That sounds like a pretty fucking cool battle. Yeah, war elephants? Yeah. Like, I don't... Like, I, I'm, I'm guessing that... Where's their Legolas? They can't have right. elephants without a Legolas sliding down their trunks. Right. They had a Legolas arrows. back in the Brother Without Banners back in, like, season four, and he must have gotten caught up in the, the mass hangings that Beric... <laughs> Beric hung everyone but himself and Thoros. Like, yeah. the band, band of Brothers met a bad end. Um... Yeah, but this this tease of the Golden Company I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be honest, there's another piece of evidence where the the people are latching onto the, the Tyrion as spy theory. Whereas when Cersei says, "I always knew you were the stupidest Lannister," she's comparing that to her brother Tyrion and saying, "Like even Tyrion was smart mm-hmm. enough to see the obvious play here, and you're too stupid." Maybe that's you know, I mean, circumstantial it's again, evidence, evidence by omission. Is, yeah, but it but it is it is a bit of evidence there. Mm-hmm. And I you know, I thought also that. So, do you believe that Cersei's smart enough to draw the connection between the missing dragon, or is that more evidence that perhaps she's got an inside man or woman? I mean, the way she lays it out, it seems logically uh, pretty obvious, you know? Because I, I agree, the first thing I thought when Danny rolls up with the Unsullied and the Dothraki and her dragons is she's displaying her power. Right. And you don't display two-thirds of your power. But it's also, you know, Jamie had a good point that it could be protecting what's left of her fleet because she's got every all of her power here. Yeah, I like Cersei's reaction. Just meh. Yeah, right, right. So, (laughs) I mean, I I think that, like, that's a reasonable inference a person could make. Yeah, I do too. Especially, I mean, that's... That is, I think, a problem with geopolitics is that everyone kind of plays the worst-case scenario. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it it, it keeps you safe, but it also really makes you paranoid. Um, But she's right in this case. So yeah, she is, and I. You can really see. I don't know. This scene is so wrapped up in Jamie's character, who right. he is. Like he cannot tolerate this. He 
he still holds some value for his honor. Sure. You know, and but that's something that's he's been, made an oath. That's been something that's been developed since the steam baths of what season two, three. Kind of, I mean, even before, like the whole thing with the Mad King. I mean, oh, the, yeah. it, it goes all the way back with Jamie. Sure, and the, and the things he's done, and the, the times that's when he's he regretted. Kind of, we got his side. We always heard Ned's yeah. side. Oh, I came and you're lounging on the throne of the king. You just slayed, you bastard. And right he, when, yeah, like the fact that it it really hurts Jamie to uh, to be a man that he doesn't want to be. Jamie wanted to be a Brian. Right, that was his that was his heart's desire, and he's been forced to be a, a Lannister. <laughs> Um, and I think after this scene, the I, what do you even call it? Bramy, Bramy, oh Bramy, yeah, G- yeah, yeah. GN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the Bramy shippers can rejoice. I think now that Jamie could be turning to the other side here, it, and although, it won't be across a battlefield. It'll be on the same side of the battlefield. Although I feel like they've really harshed the chemistry between him and Bran by introducing the Tormund Brienne. Although she's well, not... it's a, it's another classic love triangle, right? Sure. The John Jorah, oh, Danny, yeah. Thing. yeah, 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 yeah. Um. But I liked it. I liked it. So some people wondered if him putting on the black glove over his golden hand is like symbolizing him, like taking uh, metaphorically taking the black, mm. because that especially is relevant with Beric and John kind of like saying that that's what they're doing. They they are all the Night's Watch now. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a potentially neat bit of symbolism. I also really, just really yeah. loved his desperation talking to Cersei. Like, do you not see how crazy this is? And Cersei doesn't really have an answer. Like the mm-hmm. only way this works. Is if the living defeat the dead, but are crippled mm-hmm. in a way that she can then mop up the scraps. That's a Which pretty is low percentage play. But yeah. from her perspective, since she will not accept any kind of thing that doesn't end up with her being on the Iron Throne with her family ruling this dynasty, yeah, uh, that's the pro. They they just can't see how important that is to her. Yeah, it's pretty much the only play for her. Yeah, um, is to you know try and get them to fight amongst each other and then sweep up the. Whatever remains. Yeah. Uh, okay, we move on to Sam going to Winterfell where he meets Bran, who thanks him for helping on his journey. Sam tells him he's here to help John, and Bran says he's on his way back to Winterfell with Danny. He also says that he needs to know that John's the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and his mother, um, Lyanna. Yep. Start, and that uh, his real name is Sand. Uh, not Snow. And Sam's also, like, uh, no, actually, this marriage is official. John's not a bastard. Also, I, I did a lot of research on this. Brands doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about anyway. Like, the, the you get your bastard name from your mother, not where you're born. Oh, well, then... But, but... Brand needed is, to study but harder, Maester Lewin. that's the thing. That was a part of his character. Right. He shirked his studies. Yeah. He didn't want to learn the <laughs> house words and the name. Like, you know, who's a bastard where? Who gives a shit? I'm never going to be a bastard. That's John's problem. So, like, I well, don't even he, mind it. He doesn't need the studying now because he can just go back and look, which he does. Right. He looks at the marriage. He looks at the Tower of Joy. And he confirms that actually John's real name is Aegon Targaryen. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. Uh yeah let oh man there's a lot so there, this is another <laughs> probably going to talk mostly in the spoilers about this right but well I mean there's a there's a the problem here mm-hmm. is Rhaegar already had a son named Aegon and Oberyn told us that was his name and that son got his ba- brains bashed in by Gregor the Mountain um so this kind of makes Rhaegar out to be the George Foreman of Westeros where he just like oh I got a male son yeah, Aegon Aegon the second Aegon oh wait we're already on to the sixth the seventh the eighth what like. <laughs> Uh, and also, a lot of people made this point, and I agree with them. The, if you're going to reveal a Targaryen name, Aemon would mm-hmm. have been the way to go. Because that way, you've got John carrying his, you know, Ned's blood, blood of the Starks, 
He's got the blade of Jorah Mor- Jor- um, um, Jor Mormont and the name of his other uh, mentor at the wall, Amon Targaryen. Mm-hmm. And he's carrying that all in the battle with them, which would mean those are all things that are, that are important and valuable to him. Made him who he is, yeah. And going to the Aegon is just like, I don't know why. There's so many fucking Aegons. It you'll, does... you'll understand it when Rhaegar announces his fat-busting grill next season. <laughs> right, right. Now, there... <laughs> there will it's based on dragon fire so so lean so it just just really leans out the meat yeah. um there are yeah obviously some some implications we can talk about in the uh, spoiler uh, section on friday but um yeah i don't i i don't know and this also cemented like how brand's power works a lot of people had an issue with like well why did he seem a lot more human with with um sam and he was such a shit to mira but I think that's actually an intentional thing. They're showing you Bran got all this knowledge thrust upon him when he wasn't ready, and now a season later he's a little bit better. Mm-hmm. He's he's learned to be a little bit more human. Um, and I don't – that's interesting because I always thought Mira was going to exist to humanize Bran. It seems like she's gone. Like I don't know if she's got another part to play because it seems like he's learning to be a little bit more human just all on his own. I don't know. It's debatable how human he is because presumably he sees the banging happening. Yeah. And he does not do anything to prevent it, even yeah. though John is banging well, his He didn't know aunt. where to look. He, or yeah. maybe he saw Kit Harrington's ass and started questioning things deep about himself. Because <laughs> I got to say, I've never seen anything like that. Like on I, subsequent I, watchings, I like notice. Kit, oh, well, brother, let me tell I you. I guess I got to go back and check it out. Huh? That thing is round and tight and in your face hmm. and milky white. It's Danny's unblemished against the sheets, so I couldn't see un, it. Un, 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 yeah, like, obviously that's the thing that caught my eye the first time, but like I'm telling you what, the, the, the dude does not skip squat day. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know. Bran should have just made it super fucking windy in that room or something and <laughs> just shut the <laughs> just whole a, thing just down. Just a gale force is blowing through. It's like, right. I, is someone trying to tell me something? Just start shouting. <laughs> yeah. No! There's this... Um, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen the internet produce, but it was like on some kind of Photoshop Friday back in the old uh, Something Awful forums where someone's Photoshopped uh, old Ben Kenobi's ghost where Leia was kissing Luke and on Hoth and he was doing the like, oh no <laughs> face. And like, I feel like that's a little bit brand here. Yeah. And it's also a little bit of us at audience because yeah. like, I wasn't going to talk about this. But it's, it's also like, Tyrion. We'll talk about that too. A lot of people have been saying this. Like, uh, they, they, were t- they talked about this a lot on Watch the Throne. Um, the 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 Ringer show. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they are are they trying to normalize incest on this show? Normalize it in a fictional world where it's already kind of normalized within that family. I, sure, I know it's just weird. Like, I, it's not going to make me go out and bang my cousin. I like, know, but I'm telling you, dude. Like, <laughs> if you go to like any of the porn hubs, like the incest category is like super popular. And like, well, and I, I maybe, like, look, maybe they don't need to normalize it. I'm maybe not going to talk about the morals and ethics of it. Okay, uh-huh. I'm just saying there's a good fucking reason that this is an inborn taboo. It really is genetically a bad idea. Like sure. incest, never once, not not even once, people. Yeah, your aunt might look really hot, and yeah, your nephew might have the ass of Kit Harrington, <laughs> but you can't tap that. <laughs> Nothing good comes from it. Look at the royal family's family tree over in England. It's, it, it ends badly. It yeah. ends badly. It ends Just with lots of overbites. All ears and, and overbites. And weak chins and yeah. mad kings, and it's it's not good. It's not We do not want – got to take a firm stand against this, <laughs> all right, as a society, as a people. I'm with you. I think, I think the show is telling a fictionalized story mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. dragons and incest and 
those types of I'm things. saying it wouldn't surprise me if I found out that HBO executives are all like intermarried and interbred because like yeah. this is like the fourth HBO series where mother br- like some kind of incest family fucking is going on yeah and I'm, I'm I, got, I got my eye on you <laughs> HBO uh, holding so, the line no <laughs> no incest uh, speaking of being disturbed by this Tyrion is obviously disturbed by it and a lot of people are wondering why uh, the way I read it is this drastically complicates things, yes. both for Danny and John, but also for the North and their battle. It emotionally compromises them. Yeah. Like he just made this big speech about the difference between Danny and you is Danny listens to her trusted advisors. Mm-hmm. Well, now she's getting dicked down by this guy who she's already kind of like that. That I think that was the exchange that Jorah and Tyrion had. The fact that she's already being swayed and perhaps not doing the smartest thing. Mm-hmm. And now that they're actually in love, that's going to cloud her judgment even more. And I think that a lot of people are like, well, why there's, why is Tyrion sweet on Danny? Like, I mean, I would believe it if he was like, look at her, like she's this mm-hmm. amazing woman who happens to be super beautiful uh, why wouldn't any man like have a crush on her? But I don't think that's what they're going for here. No, I, I think, think Tyrion is just like this is politically yeah. troubling, and that that and he doesn't even know what Bran knows. It is. It causes people to do irrational things, right. and, and I can see a situation they might be setting up where one of them has to be sacrificed, make something, make a the... stupid play to save the other, right? And, and when, it costs and, them and, and they can't. Yeah, like someone has to be sacrificed, and there yeah. it's going to be the fucking alien covenant situation where, right. like, they're, they're doing all these stupid fucking things because they're husband and wives. And yep, I I thought that that's what it was. Now I will say this: the thing I'm bracing for is they seem to be wanting to make this a big deal, like that once once. John and Danny realize the truth about John's, you know, royalty and the fact that their family is going to change everything. It's going to be this big rift. And I don't, I don't buy it, man. Yeah. Like, I think that like, if I, like, if I found Hmm. out now six years after the fact that my wife is actually my cousin, I, I Uh probably have a good laugh about it, but I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck all this. It's 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 it's, you know, it's all all bad. Nothing good can happen of it. Like, Uh, I just think I got like, well, that was weird. You do an HBO show called My Wife is My Cousin. I would. It'd be the, you know, like there's probably some kind of story you could tell about a podcaster with a wife is his cousin. But you know what I'm saying? Like, and also if you're this power couple, like who cares who's one A and one B? Like if Danny's going to throw a shit fit that that she can't sit the Iron Throne, or John mm-hmm. like suddenly decides that all he wants to do is sit the Iron Throne, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not. I seriously am not going to yeah. buy Danny like turning Mad Queen because she finds out that John is the rightful heir. No, it, I think it's going to be way more of a problem for them politically than it is for their relationship. Hmm. Like I don't. I don't think. I, I'm with you. I don't think Danny's going to like throw a fit if she realizes. Oh well, John's going to be king and I'll be queen and. Because, A, I don't even know if that's her goal, right? Her goal is to break the wheel. What does that mean? Um, might not be king or queen. But but also, like, I kind of see them as a team at this point. Right. And I think they see themselves that way. They I, both want the same thing, and however that works out. And I think John would absolutely abdicate the throne if it meant... Like, probably, he's already bent yeah. the knee to her when he yeah. didn't... And he was a king in his own right. So, like... It's going to be a big problem for me if they make this a big like it can be well, a, it's just, like you said it can be a problem politically for them it can be a problem mm-hmm. and otherwise it can also just be like a you know like a what the fuck kind of thing but for it to like destroy 
their alliance, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I feel like they might be going for. That's going to be a big ask for me. Actually, I just don't buy it. Yeah, I could really see what you just said, which is him saying, eh, I'm, I'm okay with just being second banana here because I made an oath. Right. King, like, like I, I've already promised myself to this queen. Right. It doesn't change the fact that I'm a Targaryen. You right. Know? Like, it doesn't matter. Right. Because I've, it, I've, I've made my oath. Th- this has happened it. before in Targaryen in history where people, uh, you know, were in line and, and they decided to be passed. I mean, we just talked about in the spoiler section, um, Aegon the Unlikely, the dun- the egg from Duncan Egg, uh, his son abdicated the throne to marry a commoner. Like mm. it fucking happens, yeah. and it's it's not a it's not a big deal, especially if if your wife is actually the ne- the, the 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 undisputed queen. Like who cares? Right. I hope they don't make this a big deal. And it'd be such a hypocritical turn for him to say, "I have to honor my oath here with right. Cersei," but I don't have to honor my oath once I find out I'm the king, right? right rightfully, right. Yeah, no, I, it's not within his character. Yeah, I, 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 every angle I see it from, I just, I, like I said, I, it could be, it's going to be a challenge, and maybe there'll be people whispering in their ears, but I'll be very disappointed if it comes anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, we go to Arya and Sansa coming to terms with how they're different, and Sansa compliments Arya, and they repeat their father's words. Oh, about before the we move on, I did back. look up uh, the guy who played Rhaegar was not, um, yeah, Harry Lloyd. It's Wilf Scolding. Yeah, it's another dude who looks a um, lot like him. I just think that like it's just you just can't pull off the high elven look. That silver no. hair, braided mm. shit. Like I'm yet to see anybody in Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones that pulls it off. Like they all look yeah. like even even Orlando Bloom. Mm-hmm. I always thought there was something off about this this long haired, silver haired, hippie looking guy. Like it's very unnatural look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's hard it's hard to pull off otherworldly beautiful. Yeah, especially if you're a dude. So, all right. Uh, yeah, want to talk about this Arya and Sansa scene? Yes, please. I think I think it's pretty awesome. Um, they you have... want to talk more about Kit Harrington's ass? No, okay, not really. Let's move on then. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they come to terms with how they're different, and they compliment each other, and they talk about their father's words about the lone wolf in the pack, uh, and that's really what you know won them the day, I think. And and they both realize it, and they both realize the ways that they're different, and how they can still be together and be who they are. Yeah, Sansa's "You're very strange and annoying." I thought was perfect. It was the whole yeah. Arya starting the quote from her father, and Sansa finishing the lone the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives, and mm-hmm. the fact that they both bond over. That they're still grieving for the father, and yep. that Arya now acknowledges that, like you know, she'd be ill-equipped to deal with what Sansa dealt with, just like Sansa would be ill-equipped to deal with what Arya had to deal with. But they both miss their father, and they love them very much. Right. And that you know, and the family is the bond there. Yes, despite their differences. All right, and then Bran uses the Raven to fly north. I almost said south, uh, and he sees the Night King take down the wall with the White Dragon and march on the north. This is it, man. Oh fuck! Here comes the Night King. Uh, that dragon was fast as shit. Fast. Like I noticed, it seems like he's upgraded because I thought he flew faster than a living dragon. It's the holes in his wings. Maybe it's, it's all maybe those it's like tears. a golf ball dimple. It's right. some aerodynamic shit. Uh, mm-hmm. I need a NASA engineer to explain it to me. But the other thing is, I noticed that 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 dragon doesn't have to stop breathing fire ever. Seems like it, yeah. Like, like Drogon has to at least take a breath, but this guy can just like go balls out and destroy a wall without it with one breath. Which I thought, boy, um, on on subsequent watches, it seems like he's going to be a handful. Yep. If he's an even faster, stronger, um, more magically potent version of a dragon, then mm-hmm. then what the hell? 
He has the speed and power of two and dragons. Also, the, and the lightning effects they did, where they showed, like, the Army of the Dead just placidly watching it, and, like, all this electric arc energy, was, <laughs> like, like, was reflected on their face. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. And the fact that the Night King just never changes his expression. Mm-hmm. He can be turning a baby. He can be spearing a dragon. He can be destroying a wall, and he just doesn't even it does doesn't <laughs> register on his give a fuck meter. Yeah, he's just so chill about it. It's it's very unnerving. Uh, I thought it was pretty excellent to just to hear this horn blow three times. Yes, because of what it means and right. what you know as a fan, it right. means right. And it's only happened like once before in a series at the fist of the of the the first men. Oh, did it happen? Yeah, I didn't yeah, think it yeah. had happened at all. That they were like it's two one blast, two blasts, and then three, and it happened. And yeah, I I had it in my notes huh. too that 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 third horn blast was pretty sweet. Yeah, it's and on. now can we set Tormund lives right? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought they made it very clear that there was the men that tried to get down, and they were fucked, and there were the men that just ran, like, west along the wall. Yeah. And that they made it because only a very small portion of the wall actually fell. Yeah. So I think Tormund's up at the top with Beric looking aghast at this 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 horrifying thing that's happening. And I guess what they have to do is run to the next castle. I guess. And come and down, down that way. And, like, if, is the Night King going to, like, treat them the way he did Sam and just kind of, like, as not a threat? Or is he going to hunt? Because the thing is, is the Night King could just scour every living thing yeah. with that dragon. There's nothing they could do about it. <laughs> right. Although, the other thing is... Uh, I, I'm assuming this this dragon is just as vulnerable to obsidian as any any, any other of the undead or white creatures are. Probably. And that's the thing. Like I was talking about in the instant cast about these dragons being glass cannons, they're very risky to put on the battlefield now mm-hmm. because all you need is an archer with an obsidian arrow, and the night king shits wrecked. And all the night king needs is a is a, a ice lance, and he can now fire from a fucking dragon like an air to air missile. Right. It's it's like, do you even risk them in battle? Like, what do they what do they do with them now? Yeah, I think you have to be more strategic with them. Um, but you I gotta know, use them in unexpected places. I know a lot of people are wanting like Drogon just to fucking like do Godzilla versus Mechazilla with uh-huh. this guy, and like I. That's super cool, but does it make logical sense? I don't know. I feel like we're going to see it, whether it makes logical I know, sense or not. That's how the double D's roll, man. Because it's just so cool. Uh, they want their zombie polar bear. Yeah. They want their <laughs> dragon versus undragon. They want all those things. Yep. And we're probably going to get it. Let me ask you this. Do you think that who do you think is going to make it to Winterfell first? The undead or Danny and John? Undead or Danny or John? Probably Danny or John, because it would be anticlimactic for them to Winterfell be sacked and everyone in there dead. Yeah, I mean, I, hmm. I mean, if you make it to Winterfell with that dragon, it's over. That's yeah. the thing. They no, don't the have thing dragon is, glass there. Did John ship? I'm assuming John shipped the Obsidian directly to Winterfell. Maybe because so it could be because that's the other thing is people are like. There's a lot of people making these bold statements like, oh, how, you know, the John only has X amount of dragon glass and they only have X amount of time. How are they? Like, man, any question that asks anything about quantities or time scales. Yeah. I mean, you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you're going to like, roll your eyes at everyone bristling with dragon, dragon glass next season because it's absolutely going to happen. <laughs> the double D's. Right or wrong, feel like they've told that part of the story. You yeah. saw John mining for like a couple episodes. They loaded big wooden boxes full of presumably dragon glass onto his boat. The boat has been dispatched. And it's got jet engines on it. Like you can, it, everyone that needs dragon glass is going to have dragon glass next ep- next season. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
so yeah i don't i don't i don't know and that's the thing like there is a bit of me that's sad that the the tight political thriller that Game of Thrones is 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 largely over, and it's mm-hmm. now just going to be fantasy spectacles because it has to be. That's how yeah, that's how stories come to a climax, right? And um, the slow build and like the scheming and all that stuff is mm-hmm. is large. Like there's going to be there's one more scheme to be revealed, but you know, I mean, obviously they're not going to be scheming until the f- finale episode. So wouldn't think so. Um, but it is going to be a very different show next season than than even this season because it's all about just resolving all of these plot points. So yeah, um, and I feel like I'm okay with that. Like I yeah, I want the setup where it belongs, and I enjoy the setup and and the reveals midway through. But eventually, I do kind of want to just you know take my hands off the wheel right. and enjoy the spectacle that must be the finale of this i mean there's a lot of things we can talk about and i think this will be appropriate conversations because next week we're coming back to do a wrap-up podcast and then the week after that we're starting our season two coverage mm-hmm. so we got lots more game of thrones if you're inclined to join us on that uh, on that journey um but there's a couple things that you can be they, they can be fair to say for example the army of the dead has largely been this kind of side plot that hasn't really impacted the the main plot. It's just always been like this kind of like ticking ticking timepiece. Mm-hmm. They're they're south of the wall now. That can no longer happen. Yeah. Every yeah. episode <laughs> we need to know where the fuck they are, what they're doing, yeah. and what our heroes are doing. Like they can no longer be like, oh well, we're gonna show them marching and doing something spooky and transforming a bay. Like that they, they they they've been doing they've been dragging their feet that they can no longer do that. Um they have to make this an actual vital piece of the plot and it has to be um, dealt with. So. Although I did think it was kind of hilarious when Jamie was like, our child will never be born if the dead get south of the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're taking their sweet time. You probably have <laughs> nine months. Yeah. At least. Yeah, that's the thing, because I've been thinking about, like, what do they do with, Cer- like, like, killing a pregnant Cersei... I mean, the show will definitely do that. I've watched the show butcher children, like babies, yeah. like like in shadow pantomime form. So, like, it's not like they won't do it. But I'm wondering if, like, there will be this thing where maybe Cersei has a child. And, like, this is an inversion of the last Targaryen rebellion that, you know, Tywin d- killed all those babies to make sure there's no heirs. And he had Gregor do it. I wonder if there's going to be a situation where they sat King's Landing. There's now this infant Lannister mm-hmm. and Jamie or John or... Danny make the decision to like, and, and, and this is all set up with Theon. Like, you can be a Stark and uh, like, like maybe they do that with Theon. Like, well, we're just going to raise him as our ward, yeah, and like just to show that they, they've really broken the wheel because this is what happened the last time we had this bloody rebellion. This is now, so I, I kind of think that there will be a baby that's born, yeah, and it'll be. it'll it'll have a, a good end, mm-hmm. even if Cersei herself almost surely won't. That seems fitting. So. And maybe that's another way that J- Danny and John can have a child together. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's that and that'd be bittersweet too. Yeah. Like adopted, you know, forcibly it's, adopted. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, killed your mom. Yeah. Welcome to the family, kid. <laughs> so those are some things I had. Those are some thoughts I had coming out of this. Cool. Well, that's it for the recap. Before we move on to feedback, uh, this podcast is actually sponsored by a company called Bombfell, which I've actually used before they even sponsored us. Um, I heard about it, I think, on another podcast. Sounds like the more explodey version of Winterfell. Uh, you, some might say that, but <laughs> others might say it's a, a company focused on making getting good clothes easier for men. Because uh, 
I don't know about you, but I'm not the world's biggest fan of going clothes shopping. I do a lot of my purchases online. Um, and it's kind of just like a crapshoot for the most part where, you know, I go, I see a shirt I like. I'm like, I guess I'm a large. I'm somewhere between a medium and a large. So fuck me. Uh, how am I going to get my clothes that fit well? Uh, the thing I like about Bombfell the most is that they actually pair you up with a, a personal stylist. And you go through the, the sign-up process, which costs nothing. Um, it's not like this is not a monthly subscription type thing. You can get clothes as frequently or infrequently as you want. Um, you go through the process and they ask you a whole bunch of questions like obviously your your weight your height they they kind of ask like where your weight sits on you like is it in your stomach is it in your hips is it in your nose i don't know all in the crotch well that's what i put they <laughs> they wrote back and said please sir please be serious for a second this is crucial to your proper fit <laughs> i wrote back i said no no all in the crotch <laughs> and they just sent me pants that were way too huge and i was like fine okay yeah, you did it did it to yourself <laughs> i did but no that you work with a personal stylist and they answer a whole bunch of questions about you know, what styles of clothes you like. Um, I'm very much like a flannel type guy, so I got a whole bunch of those. Um, and then they 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 cater orders to what they think you would like based on that information. Um, and then they send you, they, they you can pick like a, a budget that you'd like to stick within. So like, let's say, you know, um, this week I'm looking for some business clothes uh, or some casual clothes or whatever. Uh, that kind of fit within a hundred dollars max on on a nice flannel shirt or a nice button up or something, um, or you can set it for fifty dollars. You can set it for three hundred dollars. You know they can meet any budget really, um, and send you clothes catered to that. What if you were a queen that has a hundred thousand Dothraki that you need to buy warm weather gear for? Is there some kind of uh, discount code or I, some kind of special offer she could take advantage of to save a couple gold dragons? It, I mean, definitely. I don't know what you know the the bulk orders look like. <laughs> I've never really done the hundred thousand Dothraki rider order. Uh, they have it; it's an option. You can check it out. But yeah, and you know, you go, everyone those dudes going to claim it's all all all, all the weights in, and the waist all in the crotch. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, you you can get twenty five dollars off your first purchase by visiting bombfell dot com slash got. And it's actually, if you don't know how to spell that, it's b o m b f e l l dot com. Spawnfield.com slash GOT. Um, yeah, and you can save 25 bucks off your first purchase. Uh, I, I've been really impressed with the quality of the clothes. I've never had clothes that have fit me so well, A, because I've never had like this custom tailored experience, and B, I've never had clothes that have felt as good as these because I, I picked a modest budget. I picked like, I think, 100 bucks on the, the flannel shirts I got. They sent me something in the like 80 to 90 range. I'm super happy with them. Um, and, and the, the experience is very, very simple. What they do is you say, Hey, I want, I want this budget and I want these style of clothes. They pick out an order for you and they give it to you 48 hours before they ship it. And they say, here's what we're going to ship. And then you go online and you say, ah, I don't know if I like this one, replace it with something else. And they'll do that within that 48 hour window. Or you can just say, yep, like them all ship it. Now they send it to you, you try them on, they send the, the shipping container to send it all back. If you don't like any of it, you can keep whatever you do like, and you only get charged for the pieces that you keep. So if you get a pair of jeans and a flannel and a belt, and you say, well, I only like the jeans because all my weight's in the crotch, and you guys did me a service, uh, you can send the flannel and the belt back, and you only pay for the jeans. So it's really super easy and convenient, and I don't know about you, but I hate going to stores and like trying stuff on and 
all that stuff. I'd rather do it at home. This makes it super easy. Go to bombfell.com slash GOT and get $25 off your first purchase. Hey, I want to take a quick break to talk about a sponsor for our podcast, Sonos. Mm-hmm. Sonos. And I've heard of them. Yeah, and uh, so I gushed about them on the spoiler podcast last week. You did a terrible job explaining exactly what they were up front, though. I did noticed I? That. So why don't you tell people what Sonos is? Sonos is a is a wireless sound system uh-huh. that you've got. They got various different sizes. They got like I got shipped a, a play bass, a sub, and or no, a, a bass, uh, or is it a play bass? I think it's play bass. Yeah, play bass, a called. sub, and a play. Mm-hmm. Or two plays, two play ones, um, two play ones, and you can. They got different different sets of speakers, but essentially you can configure these in different ways. Like I got mine set up where the sa- the the sound base is kind of like a sound bar your TV can sit on, mm-hmm. and it's like your essentially your center channels. And I got a subwoofer hooked up to that, which provides a lot of punch. And I got the other speakers throughout the house, and you can set these like different meshes up. Like you can have all of the speakers playing throughout the hall, all the house. Um, uh, as as one, or you can set them up like a five one sound system, or you can have different things playing in different rooms. And the software makes it really easy and quick to set up and and do that. But I was wondering, I was curious about uh, your experience because you got these things drop shipped the day after I did, and you set them yeah. all up over the weekend. What'd you think? Uh, I actually watched the Game of Thrones finale with these things Me on too. in five point one configuration, and I gotta say it was pretty badass. Yeah, like the. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm totally not used to the 5.1 experience because right. I've been listening just on weak TV speakers the whole time. Right. Uh, but I'm totally sold on it now because, like, you can hear everything happening all around you. I mean, it's the definition of 5.1, right? But when, like, there are dragons flying around and screeching and flying across the screen, you can hear it all. I was blown away. Yeah, and I, the other thing I, I, I saw, there's a feature that you can, like, turn on, like, a dialogue emphasizing mode where it mm. makes the... Because that's one thing I've always struggled with is, you know, when, like, you got a special effects heavy mix, like, picking out the dialogue, and it, yeah. like, just punches up to, like, the, the speech frequencies, I guess. It's, it's essentially black magic, mm-hmm. like, the wireless technology itself. It just works. Like, it's noticeable as soon as you turn it on. Everything, the speech becomes so much easier to hear. Um, but I... I, I, I I know you already commented on this last time because mm-hmm. you had set yours up. I hadn't. Mm-hmm. When I set mine up, it was super easy to do. Right. Like but, you literally just plug them in, you download the app, and it walks you through the whole process. And it's right. not a very long process. No. And like it's not the, complicated. the longest part is typing in your overly complicated Wi Fi password if it's anything like mine. <laughs> right. And you have to do mine that too. once because every speaker yeah. that you add to the mesh. They just they just get the configuration from each other. Yeah, so no, it's, it's only really the one cool. time you just keep adding, and that's the other thing that's not a pain in the ass is you know setting up a five one or seven whatever can involve like running wires through your floor, mm. you know wall, or you have them dangling on the floor, and it's a pain. This is all yep. wireless. You just you, you have you have to have power. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yep. So we we both think Sonos is great, and for the first time ever, they're offering listeners of our Game of Thrones podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. All you got to do is use the promo code GOT-10. That's capital G, capital O, capital T, one zero at Sonos.com to receive this exclusive offer. Do we have any feedback to do? Oh, boy. Oh, boy, do we. Uh, start right off, David C. When responding to some feedback in your last podcast, you guys mentioned that you really don't care or think it makes a difference whether Dragon was killed as a white or a white walker. The one area yeah. I think it makes a huge difference is the matter in which how you would kill it. If it's a white, one of the two living dragons would t- just torch it. Mm. Uh, but if it's a white walker, then it'd take a dragon glass or uh, assuming Valerian steel to kill it. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it would be interesting to see Danny kind of invert that, where she's got an obsidian spear that she brings down the the Night King dragon. Uh-huh. Uh, that that'd be a, a good way to go. But I don't know. I also think because here's the other thing about the a lot of people emailed and said I didn't like Viserion undead Viserion taking down the wall because presumably has ice breath and that and also it is a little bit of violation of the duality where they say you know the fire magic consumes and destroys and the ice magic preserves um Mm. how in the hell did ice breath dragon tear down the wall but i'm not totally convinced that it's ice breath like i don't know what it is it's some kind of magical thing yeah and like i think you just have to accept that we don't understand how it works and i wish i wish it was otherwise because we talked a lot about this a lot on the podcast over the years that the longer you go without revealing the bedrock mechanical principles of a magical system, the more the writers are going to be tempted to ass pull yeah, sure. things yeah. and Deus Ex Machina the thing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron B. A lot of criticisms I heard in the podcast for the last two weeks are about people making poor decisions that are not super logical or people saying something that seems dumb. As a clinical psychologist, I feel the need to remind everyone that people are not always or even usually logical. But we're not talking about the real world, for God's sake. We're yeah. talking about storytelling. That's the thing. Like this, this is where I get hung up on this stuff. Right. And they, they analogize. If, if your point of, of telling the story the way that you're telling it is to say, hey, people are dumb and they don't always make perfect decisions. Right. That's fine. Right. But if you're trying to tell an interesting and clever story and you're not even thinking about that stuff, you need yeah. to make your story interesting and clever. Yeah, I mean, because that, that's just essentially like the attack of the clones. Like, well, Anakin's dialogue to Padme wasn't terrible. It's just he's a teenager and he says stupid stuff. Like, well, that's not why this that isn't happened. a wet, hot American summer. Like, there's like there's different things that you right. do with different shows. Part of the fiction is is the pleasure of watching smart people do smart things and. And even even the you know quote unquote dumb ones get punt, but like you know they've established these characters except for maybe Cersei is not being particularly stupid, so mm-hmm. we don't like seeing them see even though it's entirely human, it's entirely like right, it's, it's, it's it's real life, but this is not real life. This is called fantasy, yeah, and that's part of the fantasy. So yeah, I I I, I agree with you, and the rest of the email is essentially that. So we can move on. Oh, okay. Will A says, I seem to remember you criticizing Benjen's decision to not get on the horse with John. My impression from Benjen's facial expression is that he was aware that he had time to get on the horse, but in cho- instead chose not to. This could have been for many reasons, mm-hmm. such as giving his fairly lonely life a meaningful end. And that <laughs> that's what the double D's all that said in the behind the scenes of that episode. I just... Yeah. I don't think they sold it on camera. Hmm. No, I wasn't thinking that when I watched it. I mean, he could even said like, but he could have said there's, he could have not said there's no time. This is how I go. He could be or, like, you know, no, this is, this is it for me. This is what I want. Yeah. I, I've been like, I, there's, there's a way you could tell that story. And I felt like that they just didn't do enough to tell it. Yeah. And it's also in one of those things where if that was the only thing in an episode was bullshit, Fine, but there was a lot more than that one thing that was bullshit, and uh-huh. that's that's the theory of suspension of disbelief. Once it falls, it fucking falls. Like it just like you're 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 calling bullshit on everything. Uh, Sam in uh, Miguel Sapochnik and or he goes his his formula for fixing season eight is Miguel Sapochnik and lots of him. I actually, just give him the whole season. I'll sacrifice no ghost in season eight for his visual mastery. I, I think I read that Miguel. Who did such a great job in in the Battle of the Bat? Didn't he do Battle of the Bastards? I know he did Hard Home for a fact. Yeah. Um, that that there was a like a scheduling mm. deal. It's not like they didn't want him. That he was working on some other project. Mm. So uh, I think yeah, he's 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 awesome. 
Um, he should definitely be in part of the all-star directors I hope they get for it, but we'll see. And also, I no longer feel that this season was something on the brink. I don't think it's the strongest season of Game of Thrones by any mm-hmm. stretch, but it's certainly not the worst. No. I think season five still holds that crown. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dave, and even then, they're talking like a, a B, a B season. What would you give this season, letter grade-wise? Uh, probably... Probably B sounds about right. B, B, B plus. plus. Yeah, I think the finale is the difference between a B and it was. Yeah, because uh, between a B and like a C. Yeah, C yeah, minus. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, David P. People have been wondering about the Dothraki that invaded Westeros with Danny. What happens if Danny dies? Well, in season six, episode Blood of My Blood, Danny names her entire Kalasar as her blood riders. When a cow dies, his blood riders die with him, so they can ride together in the Nightlands. If this bittersweet ending is true, and if Danny oh, ends man. up. Dying the Battle of the Dawn, could the Dothraki kill themselves to join her? Is it known? Uh, I'm pretty sure Cal Drogo's blood riders, like, boned off and started some of their own <laughs> Kalasars. Like, I... Yeah. Um, I don't... Didn't think... Uh, so that might be, like, a guideline more than a hard and fast rule. Yeah. So, although it... And also, like, do I want to see 100,000 dudes mass commit suicide because... Just ride into the ocean or something? Right, right. <laughs> um... I don't know. The other thing is they're so I thought this would be a huge logistical plot point, but they're uh, they have every uh, it, it seems that they're just going to have the Dothraki right up there, up to Winterfell. They're going to have a hundred thousand Dothraki they put in parkas mm-hmm. that have come from where. <laughs> like, hey man, I don't. It, I've long questioned where the hell Danny's getting her clothes from. Uh-huh. The Dothraki are just an extension. Well, Danny's one thing. She can afford like but but the, the getting 100,000 Dothraki and their horses outfitted to survive sure. a harsh winter condition. No, it's it, like they're already worried about the food. I guess Winterfell's the place to be, right? They're going to gather up all the grain from the north and store it. Yeah, right. So I guess that's a place to be, but yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, Where do they get all the furs? I, they're just not equipped with, uh, and neither are the Unsullied. They're they're mm-hmm. all kind of warm weather fighters. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder if they'll be like, because that's kind of a, the tale of the American Revolution. You know, you always get the story of the dudes wrapping their feet in newspaper because they don't yeah. have there's no cloaks and they're f- like literally freezing and starving. And George Washington's keeping together by, you know, just by the sheer will of his personality. I wonder if they'll go like like. Some, some of that revolutionary stuff will work its way into the plot that like it is like the, the Dothraki are miserable yeah and can imagine. not as effective as they would be but they love Danny or afraid of her or worship her or whatever <laughs> uh, Eric R I was waiting until Sunday's episode aired in the States to ask this question but what does the future hold for the lineage of dragons I fired up the Google machine was able to get some consistent answers that hinted that dragons can be hermaphroditic Mm, okay. uh, which I've heard you discuss on the show. This based on Maester Aemon's ambiguous account of dragon reproduction. Can they also be asexual, or do you need two to tango, so to speak? If it's a ladder, then if I were Danny, I'd bust out the oysters and chocolates, light some candles, get with one of them dragons to flip the female switch so I can get some dragon eggs stat. Mm-hmm. Another one of these guys falls. She's done with dragons forever, right? Why wouldn't they already be working on a cave full of eggs somewhere just in case? Aren't 50 dragons better than three? Um... Do you have any insights into Game of Thrones dragon reproduction? I don't know what their, you know, the society for dragons and their mothers looks like, but right. it's a little weird when, I don't know, if your mom came up to you and said, hey, you need to start banging. You, you need to start banging somebody here. Sure. You got a girlfriend. Be you s- just do it. 
Say, like, look, look, I'm. Uh, do you think I want to fuck my nephew? Right. Well, times are tough. Times and, are tough no, for us it's, Targaryens. It's not just a suggestion. I'm going to watch you do it, and it's going to need <laughs> to happen today. This email reminds so. me of like the whole deal of trying to get pandas to breed in captivity. That they like tried. Like, I'm not even making this up. Panda porn. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, like like some real kinky shit. It yeah, turns out just bamboo and all the holes. And, yeah. Yeah, your your urethral stimulation, it's just crazy. Sounding, it's crazy. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I don't think anyone knows. And the the thing is, is, like, how do dragon genetics work? Because I I think that you would call these dragons functionally extinct. Mm -hmm. Because if they reproduce asexually, fine, I guess. They just clone each other. But if they they have to have sexual reproduction, this is a shallow-ass gene pool. Like, you can get, like, if... If you have the last two of a of a of a living animal today, you're fucked because there's no way to get them enough genetic diversity to where they'll thrive as a species. Maybe there are some leftover eggs out in old Valyria. I mean, that's the thing. There's like, uh, I mean, fossilized eggs are a thing. Um, in the books, I mean, that's what she had essentially. In the right? books, like... Euron has claimed to have one, and he just tossed it in the sea because that's how Euron rolls, man. He's wow. the guy that, like, you know, snorts cocaine through a $100 bill and then lights his doobie <laughs> with it, you know? Uh-huh. It's like, he just does, that's how much, he doesn't give a fuck. He's just throwing dragon eggs into the sea. Yeah. Or maybe he's keeping it for a dragon army because he's going to asexually reproduce them. And I, I don't know. No one knows. No one but, knows. But it's a good point. Like, she should be thinking about that, but clearly she doesn't want to consider that what? she might herself be killed right. and she needs a successor right. or that any more of her dragons What's are crazy die. is, like, it's so stupid to say that no one knows because there's got to be tomes yeah. and tomes of information about dragons in the 200 years they were in Westeros at the Maester's catalog. For sure. Like, so yeah. someone knows. That King's Landing. And that's frustrating that Maester we. was studying those fucking dragons right for sure right like maybe they're working for their downfall which is a popular theory but they sure as hell were cataloging like mm-hmm. you know how often so i yeah it's frustrating but i mean literally we don't and and also if you found a bunch of fossil eggs eggs was that a one-time magical thing that danny did to pay for death for life maybe throw them in fire and see is that why she can have kids now because one of her children children died last episode started maybe. up the whole works again i don't know all right uh, Simon from England. Uh, I'm assuming Simon Pegg. Okay. Uh, I'm well on board with your prediction of a parliamentary democracy as an endpoint for the story, but how can you have this if one person's holding all the military power? Therefore, <laughs> all dragons must die, right? I predict in the final epic dragon battle, the ice dragon, Drogon, and the other dragon that Jim doesn't care about toast each other. What do you think? Uh, what what other dragon I don't care about? There's Drogon, and then there's the other two. Rhaegal. Yeah, that's I don't care about alive. either of either of the other two. Um, I think you're actually right, Simon. I do think that all the dragons will die because I think what this is a story just like Lord of the Rings, where this is like the last gasp of the magical things hmm. before they shuffle off into obscurity, uh, before the Shire just becomes rural England. Yeah. Um, so I think that I, now I do think that. Um, you can have a benevolent dictator that would use these dragons in a forthright manner, but that's the whole deal about breaking the wheel because you die. And what happens when Cersei's bastard child that you've raised as your own right. after you killed her, 
it turns out that all the Lannisters are genetically bad people. Yeah, it's just, it's just, they got they got an evil gene in them that skipped Tyrion and Jaime. Tommen and Marcella, had they lived, would have been terrible. They would have been shits yeah. too. Sure, like I that's that's the thing. So I I do think that the dragons will die and that the Night King will be utterly defeated and there will be essentially no more magic huh. in the land. So Bran's visions are just I think gonna, yeah like go that, away. that that might be that might be how Bran knows his mission is complete that like the green sight and the war just goes away. Huh. What did you do in Winterfell, Bran? Or Three-Eyed Raven? I became Bran Stark. <laughs> and then then I... And also, the Three-Eyed Raven sold him a load of goods because he can't even fly anymore. Right. <laughs> you can't walk, but you will fly. Timber, and then you go timber. back to very much not walking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe well, he's maybe in a wheelchair now. He's cool. The last gasp of magic is Bran gets his the use of his legs back. No, he'll found, he'll found the Paralympics. There you, you get, go. You get all yeah. the paraplegics from Essos and Westeros together. It'd be a East versus West kind of thing. That'd be cool. Yeah, be cool. I'll see. I'll I'll watch Brand play. Uh, That's the spinoff. Uh, you know, uh, para, paraplegic basketball. Or I guess they joust, wouldn't they? They'd all get those fancy weird saddles yeah. and they joust and probably probably just do all the regular sports except Tyrion will full time make prosthetics for the 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 crippled children of the world so they can compete in the the para. Para Westeros games. Fucking Para. Maester Wolken to do it. Apparently, yeah. he can whip something up in yeah seconds. And that 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 wheelchair is pretty tight. It's badass. It's yeah. Very well engineered. Mm-hmm. All right, Kara L. Something I saw in the making of the Frozen Lake scene extra. I guess I'm the only one who watched that because where's the rage about the Double D's throwing a fit for four seasons about getting denied to polar bear zombies and then finally saying we're doing it whether you like it or not? Are you kidding me? So much time and money and effort went into that drawn out scene at no real point other. Then they want her stupid CGI uh, bear, and then it goes into, I can't believe we're getting that instead of ghost. I, I think she has a point. <laughs> but uh, but we have to allow them their indulgences. Like, Do if it's going to keep them engaged. But we can also I, bitch that, like, we'd, ra- we'd trade ten polar bears sure. for one ghost. Sure. And, I think you're well within your rights to be annoyed by it, but also... Like, if I'm making the show, I want to do some fun things for myself yeah. as well as for the audience. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that maybe it's a bit much to do a five-minute interview where you're gloating about it. On, uh-huh. but, but, yeah. You know. And I do think that in season eight, a reunion we absolutely need to have is John and fucking Ghost. Th- like, they we should cannot play not see Ghost for the rest of the season. I- I'm with you. We have, to, we have to have at least one more Ghost appearance, sort of like we got with Nymeria. Um, if, if I were the Double Ds, I would play it like, oh. Oh, we we actually didn't realize that anybody wanted to see Ghost. Yeah, like we just thought everybody was over Ghost. We're kind of right. over Ghost, so we just didn't do him. But yeah, we can totally. Put I feel him like in I'm, I'm Quentin Tarantino in in Pulp Fiction. It's like, okay, you guys need to make some polar bear zombies. Need to uh-huh. make some ice dragons. Then do it because I want my Ghost. So yeah. put putting you guys on 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 record. Ghost will be back. Mark does it say dead Ghost storage out front of my house? No, it does not. I need no, to see him. Uh, Jennifer P. Some inf- We might have gotten a spit take there. So close. <laughs> it was to, close. I just need a little bit more next time. Yeah. Jennifer P. Some info pertinent to your discussion from Beyond the Wall uh, podcast regarding Martin's involvement in the show. There was a big, big fucking to do in the fandom because George Martin had hinted that he doesn't even watch Game of Thrones. And he quickly came out and did an interview with EW. He goes, no, 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 no. I totally yeah. watch Game of Thrones. It's, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's just not my thing. Um, so... It's weird. I, I do think that it's still kind of their their relationship has gotten weirder ever since he stopped writing episodes and stopped How could directing. It not? Cra- and, and yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's his it's his magnum opus that these guys have kind of stolen from him. 
well, uh, that, that he's that he's handed. No, no, to I them get it. That's he, right. I, I mean, yeah. I feel like I've given the other side of the story enough totally. that, like, from George, like this is. I mean, he has no one to blame for himself. Like, can he force creativity? I, you know, creative pe- people differ, but uh, the fact is, he didn't do it, and that's got to be that's got to be hard. Like, I I would be super pissed if I like I I mean, like, let's say if I lost my voice. And you did the finale of season of game and like all of bald move without me from there that point on. Like, I might be happy for you and like all that, but still at the end of the day, I'd, I would want I would be want the, the guy to be there too, right? So like just on a sure. just on a purely selfish level, he's got to be bummed that this has been taken from him. But would you listen to the podcast? No. Okay. Well, Fuck there no. you go. George isn't watching. No, because I would just be impotently saying all the things I want to say, and no voices coming out. <laughs> Why would I torture myself that way? Uh, Brendan, in my view, okay, so this is on to the new stuff. In my view, season seven was a significant step down in quality from previous seasons. And I want to essentially take two readers or two listeners as a, a pro and con and the, the kind of speak for all the different listeners that wrote in. Okay. This is the minority view. I'd say 15% have this kind of take. In my view, season seven, significant step down in quality from previous seasons. Perhaps I'm a tough audience as I'm a frequent rewatcher of all episodes and seasons past, but I really feel like we as fans deserve more attention to detail and more reverence for the buildup of this epic story than we have enjoyed over the past six or so years. Putting aside jetpacking issues, D plus pot plots and B minus execution and other smaller confusions you guys and other fans have pointed out this season. I feel like there's just been general sense of anticlimactic handling of a lot of moments that should have been more sweetly satisfying. A fresh example that's on my mind, after everything Littlefinger's been responsible for and involved in over the years, we get five-and-a-half-minute scene for his comeuppance. We get eight or so precious this-is-almost-the-end-of-the-series minutes of Theon's latest identity crisis, but five measly minutes for the greatest schemer of Westeros finally answering for his crimes. I could go on ad nauseum with other examples, but I'd need more time and more alcohol. I'll still watch the show, you're right, but right now I've lost a lot of confidence that this final season will deliver, and that makes me sad. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm I'm not going to sit here and try and, you know, pick apart every little thing of every little scene, but to me, it just, it hasn't felt right. like that. And I do it's, agree that we probably deserve more attention to detail. Sure, yeah. But it's, I mean, how long has George been working on wrapping this thing up? Seven years. years and counting, right? Six yeah. years and counting. The Double Ds did it in 12 months. Mm-hmm. And they had no other choice. They could not, like, go off air. I mean, that, that for, for many, many, many reasons, that's not an option. Um, uh, but, you know, this thing about Littlefinger, like, Ned got, what, five? I mean, like, I'm thinking of, like, when they led Ned to the executioner's thing and cut his head off, what was that? A few minutes, couple minutes, five minutes? Like, why should... And mm-hmm. and Rob, like the red wedding when it finally turned, like I mean, what was what did you want from Littlefinger? Like a trial by combat? Like how much did you want to stretch this out? He was at the end of his story and his story ended abruptly, like so many have have, have done. Like Marjorie got exploded. Right. <laughs> you know. Um true, that whole thing took up a whole whole episode, but I, I don't know, like uh um, I, I just never felt I guess the the feeling you're describing, like I was getting shortchanged on important events and characters. And I, I, know, um, I guess I didn't have a pre. Did, did you have a preconceived notion of how Littlefinger should go out? No, because I, I mean, then maybe I mean, that's aside the from Arya taking his face, like I, yeah. that was my pet theory. Which is still but on the table, e- even barring. Well, I suppose so. Yeah, she could grab that face off the ground. Right. Um, but even barring that, I, I never, 
like during that scene felt like, uh, well, this is okay, but I wish it was more. I wish there was yeah, something extra. I, don't. I felt like this is maybe the most appropriate way it could go because Littlefinger will, if you give him the opportunity, weasel out of it. And so it was a short scene by necessity because they were just there to do one thing, which is execute Littlefinger. It seems like some of the fans did think that Littlefinger was like going to be the exception, that he was going to play it smart and have all of his Mm. options all the way through. But I feel like they were been telling the story of a man who, uh, he, he know, and that's the thing, like he told Cersei knowledge is power and then I forget what she did but she like did this demonstration where she could have him killed she goes no actually power is power and yeah. I feel like that's Littlefinger's story he didn't have any actual power other than the schemes that he had and those schemes in the beginning he had so many options mm-hmm. and so many things to turn against each other and he just slowly ran out and he put all of his eggs he even said as much in, in one scene that he's essentially put all of his chips in this one basket and there's only you can't pivot like this isn't a Saturday afternoon matinee villain who could twirl his mustache and and take off in a helicopter from the top of Winterfell and fight and he's not fucking Dr. Wily or Dr. Eggman from Sonic the Hedgehog he will be defeated and I guess think about like what did you want I mean the fact the matter of fact cutting off like the fact that Arya killed him in a way that robbed him of his speech Mm -hmm. like that's to me it's it's very much like like I said Saruman getting thrown off the, the Dark Tower it's um, yeah, I thought it was I mean, fitting. I, I did too, and I, I think the sentiment that I agree with is that this season has been lacking in the details and the connective tissue that have made Game of Thrones so rich in the past, right. which I definitely felt, um, and I, I totally agree with that. Right. I just don't think like when they went for these big moments that they ever kind of missed the mark. And that's the thing. I think that the first paragraph explains, like, if you are of the mind that like you just genuinely think that this isn't as well thought out and exquisitely scripted, because it's not. It's just not. Um, then, yeah. then that's going to color your impression of things. Like you're going to feel like no matter what you get, like the fact of that it's probably not as good as what George can come up with. Because there's a thread on Reddit where it's like what we already knew before the show told us, and they talked about all the different hints that 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 not only John wasn't a bastard, but he was actually the rightful king. And a lot of that I didn't even pick up on. Like mm. George is really good at, at weaving this shit in yeah. and making it obvious in retrospect. And that's just not something you can do when you got a eight month development cycle. Right. That's one of the reasons I think the double D's are taking a year and a half off. So they can, like, I think this kind of scared them like shit. Even with seven episodes, we didn't come up with stuff that we were necessarily super proud of. Let's mm. take more time to, to get it right. So, and, and the one, I, I just thought of one scene where I sort of agree that it got shortchanged and it was a big moment that should have had more impact. Um, that's the reunion of Jamie and Tyrion. Yeah. I think that moment, for the sake of moving the plot forward, got shortchanged. I, I definitely felt that one. Yeah, but I also felt like in real life they would not keep Cersei waiting either. Yeah. They're not going to bandy words outside her chamber door, you know. Maybe so, but I, as a yeah, fan, was right. hoping for more, more. And yeah. yeah, they left me wanting. All right, Christine McSee has the opposite view. Uh, I feel like the showrunners gambled on hitting the emotional notes perfectly without worrying about satisfying strict factual scrutiny. And it worked. Give me all the jetpacking, mysterious ice, magic flame, whatever from the White Dragon, as long as I get to see Sansa pull the rug out from Littlefinger, both Lannister brothers having a moment of utter belief that they were about to die at Cersei's hands, and Cersei then Jaime clearly shitting their pants over the white attack slash white force numbers. Yeah, that's something I, I think... Um, we didn't talk about Jamie almost dying in the main cast, probably because we talked about it a lot on the instant cast. Yeah. But I utterly thought that he was going to die. And then here's the difference. 
a lot of shows will pull this bullshit. And in retrospect, there is no reason it shouldn't have happened. But I was utterly convinced he's going to die. And then when it didn't happen, I utterly believed that Cersei just couldn't do it. Because yep. I do think mm-hmm. there is there is something in her, still in her vestigial heart, that won't let her pull the trigger. And, yeah. and the conflict on her face, because Lena Headey was brilliant in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, the conflict on her face is, as Jamie marched away, like... She was torn between having Sir Gregor go over there and lop his head off and letting him go and making him come back. And, like, that's it's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, she continues, I feel like the show played cons- to consistent themes throughout the episode. Leaders choosing whether to spout expedient lies. Family choosing to work together or betray each other. Heroes choosing between loyalty and humanity. And, of course, the triumph of the cockless. And I, utter- I totally agree <laughs> with that. Those the themes about leadership and politics and families and what that means that were brilliantly juxtaposed in this season. Yeah. And to good effect. Toby K, which I can only assume is Toby Keith. It is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I talked to my good buddy, Toby, he wrote in and he I said he was going to write us a country song, but uh, yeah, um, we actually already have a song to play. If you guys didn't it, stick around to the end of this episode uh-huh. because uh, a fan blade gear, Yes, that's his real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, badass name, by the way. Actually wrote a song that he wants us to play, that he offered to let us play on the show, and I accepted. Uh, it's it's kind of a takedown of the Ed Sheeran thing. You know how everybody was like, uh-huh. oh, fuck Ed Sheeran, and we don't want him on the show. He won a VMA, I hear. Yeah. I, was Over it, Kendrick Lamar, it's an outrage. Was it for the, the song Taylor that he sung? Beyonce, yet again. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was for Game of Thrones. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, he wrote a song based on that whole thing, and we're going to play it at the very end of this show, so stick around to the end of feedback, because I think it'll be awesome. I'm looking forward to Toby Keith's uh, remix of uh, Boot in Your Ass, Westeros style. <laughs> uh-huh. Put a dragon flame up your ass, or something, I don't know. I'm not, this is why I'm not a country music uh, star. Uh, anyway, Toby Keith says, Hey, I wonder if you guys would consider looking to the spoilers or leaks after the episode and maybe covering them in your show. In other words, I've avoided them like the plague, and I'm actually a little curious about exactly what plot points were the ones that leaked. Anyway, mm-hmm. love you guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, no. It's everything. It's, it's all of it. And, and there's also, I was shocked because I actually sat and was going, because I was confident because all of my, the podcaster friends that have, have read it let me know that it's, it's like, because here's what happened. These leaks came out like t- almost 12 months ago. And then as filming progressed, people were like, oh, well, Gendry is, is supposed to Gendry's come back, and here we see him in this scene. Oh, this is the isolate. Like, people were just, like, putting all these details together. Oh, here is Davos and Tyrion on, a, on the beach, and we're seen through our binoculars. Like, hmm. it wasn't just the leaks. It was the fact that they had the leaks, and then they, they could – most of these shots are outdoors. Anything that's shot outdoors, people can just camp out and see with right. telephoto lenses. And they utterly proved almost everyone. There was two points that didn't make it in that they might be saving for next season, or they might be stuff they just 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 chose not to go with when they you know because they go from like coming up with this stuff to breaking it down. And yeah. um, if you want to ser- find it, search for like Game of Thrones season seven spoilers Reddit, and you will come to the thread of like the first result. Um, where they they do this, and someone went and took all the plot points and all the pictures, and but it's it's a, everything. They knew everything, like the white dragon being turned, uh, Cersei's false alliance that she betrayed, like uh, like every single point. Gendry coming back, Sansa and Arya's beef, Littlefinger dying, every major plot point, and they're just little <laughs> bullet points. And I feel sorry. The I, one I'm glad they didn't go with is where John does the helicopter before Danny makes love to him. Oh. I'm I'm real glad they didn't include that. Also, the one I where Littlefinger, 
that Littlefinger does the helicopter too before he dies. So it's really weird they took those both out. I'm really glad they did. I, 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 feel, I actually feel sorry for people that that because that's got to be the worst way to get those po- those points. Like, yeah, I, I want to see it unfold on the screen. I don't want to read about it in some text document posted on Pastebin. Like fuck that, man. Yeah, like I mean to to have all the artistry and artifice stripped away yeah. just to read uh, uh, a a, bl- a blind plot point like um let me give you one here uh bullet point viserion is killed and raised as a knight's king's mount wow that's that's the that's, plot point uh, uh, episode seven sansa bullet point sansa sentences little to death which Arya carries out <laughs> you know yeah Tyrion takes a moment to talk to cersei alone after dragon pit parlay like I mean, that's the worst way to get this stuff. And I, I really, yeah. really hope people, if this happens again, I really hope people, and, and it, I, I know there'll be at least a few people, but like, I, I really hope the people that are bummed out about the season and who did take advantage of spoilers, they learn. And if those things come out next year, just refrain, just wait, wait. There's only so much more Game of Thrones we're going to get. Don't, don't spoil yourself with 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 us so close to the finish line. Yeah, I'm so glad I waited. And I hope there's no spoilers because it's also just made speculation impossible. Yeah. Because like again, like everyone cries innocence when I accuse them of it, but I know the difference between someone saying like, "Oh, what do you think of an ice dragon will be?" and like someone's particularly say, "What about this ice dragon? Do you think you'll be able to destroy the wall?" Mm-hmm. And like that's the thing like it made it hard to like anyone. Someone started engaging in speculation. I just skipped the email because, yeah. like, well, how the hell am I going to know? And you know, it's just like um, it was a real bummer all around. And I don't, I don't see the obvious benefit. Like the obvious benefit is you get to know the plot, but just the plot. You get to feel special. It's it's literally what people scream about. Like, don't spoil me, bro. But people are going out and seeking it. Like, whoa. yeah, it'd be one thing if you could get, like a leak copy. I get. Because that's the whole enchilada. I feel like, and it's, you're just waiting for HBO to decide to give it to you. They're looking for the feeling that the book readers had for the first five seasons, right? But that—that's <laughs> of the thing. like, hey, I know what's coming, and it's going to be awesome, and you don't. That book was a work of art. It wasn't <laughs> right. just the, uh, you know, this. I know thing. it's like the artifice of that feeling, right. but it is that feeling. Yeah, that's what people are seeking. I think. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. I hope it doesn't happen next next time. Yeah. Um, Cody S, do you think a lot of hate for the show now is stemming from the tonal shift? Until now, the show has been a lot of political intrigue and character building adventures, but now this is the end. The only real schemer left. Oh, by the way, if you don't want to remain spoiled, do not do what I did and go out and read those bullet points because there are a couple that do not did not make mm-hmm. it in the season, like one or two, but they're okay. they're kind of big ones. Yeah, so could be something they decide not to do. Could be something that's going to happen early next season. Stay the fuck away. Uh, do you think a lot of hate for the show now is stemming from the tonal shift? Up until now, the show has been a political intrigue and character-building adventure, but now this is the end, and the only real schemer left is Baelish, uh, R.I.P., <laughs> uh, who has resorted to meddling with teen sisters. And the only human villain left is Cersei, and we all think she's going to die. All the characters have reached the peak of their growth, and for the most part, uh, the fantasy elements that were non-existent in Season 1 are now in full force with rings, dragons, zombies, relics, magic... All the show has left is a fantastical fictional final battle left played or based on unrealistic magical rules and maybe a few gut punch deaths. Do you think this is the cause of so much displeasure to many? Yeah, totally. Yep. That's exactly it. Yep. People bought in for a thing um, and they didn't realize that at some point it has to become a different thing. I do think it's not the whole explanation because I've seen plenty of things wrapped up where everyone's like, ah, I'm totally satisfied. Yeah. So I do That's think. True. 
they are missing the mark. I think there's reasons for that. And I think they're human reasons that anyone mm-hmm. that has an ounce of charity can understand. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a bummer that it's happening this way, but it is. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see two years from now whether people are like, what, it was, did the double D succeed or not? Um, and then if they succeed or fail, the an interesting question becomes, can George do it better? Right. Or will George do it at all? And we're not... Do you think there might be any politics left in this show? Or do you think it is just all battle? Like, I know we we continue to say, like, it's just coming down to this big battle, but the, the main villain hasn't been dealt with yet, and I don't think it's the Night King. I think it's Cersei. I think the political scheming... So this is, you're asking me, and I, this is my first thought. I actually think there might be some political scheming, but it's going to be amongst the enemies. Mm-hmm. Like Cersei is overly trusting Euron and thinks that he is hot for her in a way that I don't think he is. Yeah. Like I think he's expedient. And the fact that I think there's a little, there's more truth than Cersei be comfortable admit when he looked at Danny and said, I suggest you go back to the Island. We sit out this winter and then, you know, we see what happens in the spring. Uh-huh. Like I don't, I think that it's, it's highly likely that Euron's going to take Cersei's gold by the army and you're going to come back and, you know, Euron sitting on the throne. Right. Um, hmm. And Cersei's in the black cells or something. I, I, I don't know. But that's... I, I'm just I, like saying, oh, we can't see any twists, so there aren't any twists left. Yeah. is probably pretty short-sighted because we didn't see a lot of the twists True. to begin with, you know? The other thing would be would be satisfying for me is if Tyrion does devise, like, the mother of all political traps for Cersei that she blunders into. Right. Um, that, like, he finally is like, well, I tried to fight it this way. And, like, and also... The fact that they were the last stand against extinction of humanity is going to buy them the clout to like fuck over. Because the other thing is, I don't. I also don't think they sold the fact that Cersei has to be deeply unpopular in her realm. Like she, she's like essentially the you know, like like an Italian governor that killed the Pope mm-hmm. and torched the Vatican, and the people are just like cool with that. Like there's no grumbling yeah. about that, and they're also low key, no food. No money, no soul. Like I, I, they, they haven't told that part of the story very, very well either. Like what, like mm-hmm. that's always the pot boiler. Like the fact that the small people, the small folk, they have all the power because there's a lot more of them. And if they get pissed off, they can raise up. And that's definitely been downplayed this season. But yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's. I think it's dismissive of the people that are not happy and not fair to them to say it's just because they don't understand that this is essentially. <laughs> We're, we're moving on to the, the the epilogue part of the series because there are sure. some missteps. Yeah. Danny C., everyone always keeps saying that Bran can see the future, and I never comment or send in emails, but I've been saying for weeks that Bran can't. He says in the finale, I can see what's happened in the past, and I can see what's happening now. Yeah. Notice what he left out? I think that's a pretty fair assumption. Yeah, I mean, we we had assumed a lot, or I guess... I, I, mean, the I think it's always evidence. been a question. Right. Um, what, what he can and can't see, and I think we've always told it as such on the podcast but yeah you're right i think this episode more or less proves that he cannot see the future now, only really, things that are currently or have happened now what's really going to bend your noodle hmm. is is that's an intrinsic limit of green sight or is that because he's relatively inexperienced and untrained mm. i mean i just think that like if you give a person the ability to see the future it's game fucking over yeah Unless it becomes like the Lord of the Light deal where it's like, well, it's a different point of view and not sure how to interpret it and all mm-hmm. that. If it's like just literally like brand stepping in a 3D view master and like, oh, yeah, here's how we defeat the Night King. Like, how do you how do you fucking beat that? Yeah. All right. Cole W. John's speech to Theon was massively important and very interesting. You're a Greyjoy and a Stark. 
which I believe foreshadows the reveal of John being a Stark and a Targaryen, leading to his eventual reveal to him and how he'll have to make the decision knowing his true self. I think it's a pretty good point. Yeah, I just don't think he's going to need to make a decision, you know? And as much as he tells Theon, but you're I, both, he's going to be both. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm saying I think that that's intentional, that John has learned all the lessons, and he's yeah. demonstrated the mastery of those lessons that he's going to need to deal with his own family bullshit that's about to come to light, which is why I don't yep. buy this whole, oh, it's going to be rough waves in the Danny John ocean when he, they find out he's the rightful king. Yeah. Saeed A, the show in the books built Littlefinger to be this cunning, always a step ahead character. Early in the season when Bran looked at him dead in the eye and said, chaos is a ladder, wouldn't that have been his cue to get the fuck out of Winterfell? Yeah, I, 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 we covered that in the, sh- in the show itself enough, didn't we? Mm-hmm. The whole Littlefinger should have boned out. All right, stripe eye. Shawnee, in the instant take, you guys talked about the White Walkers and how they must be just a Westerosi thing, but in the World of Ice and Fire, it talks about how in the easternmost part of Essos, the Yi Ti built five forts, and the walls are fused with black stone among a thousand feet high, housing 10,000 men each, and were built to defend against the Lion of the Night. According to tales told by the priestly scribes of Yin, the Lion of Night, he's reading from the World of Ice and Fire, Mm -hmm. uh, the Lion of the Night fathered a son on the Maid maiden maid of light this son was the god on earth who ruled the great empire of the dawn for ten thousand years before ascending to the heavens i can't do it man yeah i can't i i can't invest in another prophecy and another thing from a land so far away from the main action i just can't do it at this stage of game of thrones i'm sorry right. long story short is it seems like <laughs> essos has their own long night that they defended against with a similar wall which i found because the whole reason it started this is when i was doing research in that pod pack yeah they did seem to imply that essos like and maybe that's the case like essos didn't bear the brunt Mm-hmm. Like the White Walkers eventually were going to move on it, and we're, we're starting to do that before the the last hero slash Azor Ahai slash Prince What Was Promised came and, and sorted his hash out. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, I, I skipped the part where they talk about this. This is kind of interesting stuff, though. Um, and also... Yeah, no, it's totally, like... I'm dismissive because I'm not a lore yeah, hound fine. like a lot of people. That's fine. But I'm sure tons of people just eat this stuff up. I think it's weird, though, because, like, George, like, he's got this weird obsession with one-upping himself. He's got this 700-foot high magical wall of ice with 13 cap- uh, the castles building or defending it. And these fucking uh-huh. Yeet's got a 10,000-foot or... <laughs> You know, a 1,000-foot obsidian wall with 10,000 fort men garrisoning it. And like, what? Well, Jesus Christ. Could could the... Now Brandon the Builder seems like he's a hack. Could the White Walkers even walk over a field of a destroyed obsidian wall? Oh. Like, destroyed dragonglass wall? You just, you just, you just like take you the dragonglass. Like, you cut your foot glass. on it, and you're done. You're, you're yeah. shattered. Yeah, like, the, the, just obsidian caltrops is what you need. Right. Like, make this fucking diehard up in here. <laughs> and and just this. sprinkle dragonglass everywhere. Let me ask you this. You have all these dragonglass points sticking up out of the ground. Uh-huh. The White Walkers see them, and they reach out and touch, like, touch them to get them out of the ground. Do they just instantly burst into snow? I assume so. Do they have to be penetrated by it, or, like, just, just a mere touch of dragonglass? It's a fine question, but I think... It's worthy of an answer. You grind up dragon glass into dust, and you load up the dragons with giant pouches uh-huh. that you can drop you on, like, like water. On, yeah, like a crop duster. Uh-huh. Does that just, like, fucking... And is that biological warfare for them? I, it's got to be, I right? I mean, I'm joking, but I honestly kind of want to know, like, yeah. what is it? What inventive weapons could they come up with? Because <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense that you pierce someone with a poisonous substance and they just burst into snow. Right. Like, so... Katie bar the door. Anything could happen. Yep. Um, 
All right. Andrew B. In one of the final scenes of the finale, final scenes of the finale, we hear Cersei tell Jaime that gold wins wars right before her reveal that the Golden Company is confirmed to be joining the Lannister forces. Mm. Could it be possible that Dario and the Second Sons, or perhaps just Dario himself, have joined up with the Golden Company or are sailing to come fight alongside Cersei? Maybe Dario gets word that the Golden Company are headed to Westeros and jumps ship to see... To get a chance to see Danny again, could it be that he would do this with no intention of fighting for the Lannisters, but then find out about Danny and John inside of them anyway? Do you think Danny would feel conflicted about her feelings for <laughs> John if she sees her ex-lover? Love to hear your thoughts. So many questions. I no, I I think I think Dario's done. If Dario comes but... over, Danny will not feel conflicted because she said last year that she felt nothing when she dismissed him. Uh-huh. That 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 they were just boning. Clearly, right. with John, it's something more. So I don't feel like when her, you know, side dude comes over and says, "Hey, remember me?" Yeah. Plus, like Dario Nyquilis, boring ass bearded Dario. Like if his Euro trash version Dario, we're talking about maybe, uh. maybe. <laughs> but boring ass bearded, good hair Dario can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he didn't rock anybody's socks. Nope. Not the way, not the way Kit and his buns of steel did. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think Dario's done. He's, he's, now, the better question is when does Dario, when he gets the, the Essos Times and he sees that Danny and John are married, mm-hmm. at what point he's just like, you know what? Fuck this Miranese governor bullshit. I'm out. I mean, that, he knows he's that's only what doing... she's there to do, right? Like, she essentially said, I can't take you with me because I got to marry people. Yeah. So, that's on him. Yeah. If he gets upset about that, he knew that the score just saying like i I don't believe that guy's gonna he's a he's a rolling stone man yeah he's gonna like i can't believe she left him in charge over there i know it seems very irresponsible she's gonna come back and it's gonna be like what slave there's nine slave cities now yeah there were only three when i left yeah i wonder because that's the thing like um someone needs to rule essos like this this might be like a one world government kind of thing where she's she makes Varys the 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 head of marine and Tyrion Mm. is leading up karth and who knows Okay. They got, there's got to be something for them to do. Yeah. Being hand of the world maybe is good enough. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Ethan S. With Jamie leaving King's Landing as a lone lion, do you think it's possible his next destination is to the cells of Riverrun? He clearly believes in the threat of the White Walkers and intends to fulfill his vow in some way. Get Edmure. As he develops some semblance of a report with Edmure during the Blackfish Revolt, do you think it's possible he frees him to gather the houses of Riverrun for the fight against the dead? I don't know. Does he know about Riverrun? Like, well, Riverrun hasn't even does. been mentioned. I mean, that's the crazy is thing is that, I mean, if they were going to bring this up, it would have been when Arya upends the phrase. Like, yeah. she could rescue her uncle. And, and it is, that's the thing that keeps bothering me is that this is the sloppy shit. Like, Dragonstone being completely deserted. Riverrun yeah. being essentially freed from the domain of the phrase. And there's this power vacuum. And Edmure we know is alive and a, an unjustly a prisoner. And that's never mentioned. Yeah, it's that attention to detail. Those are more, yeah, those are more, I mean, I'm, I don't think River Run's got a lot of soldiers at this point, but that's more for the Army of the Living, and it's just going to be, I'm, I'm sure if George gets off his ass and writes the book, there'll be a chapter or two about the, you know, the, oh, I don't know, what you, he'd be the young fish. <laughs> the POV chapter, the young fish, uh-huh. and it's all about Edmure wasting away in the dungeons, and Arya comes in with a Valerian steel blade clinched between her teeth, and it's like, time to get out and play, uncle, and... I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I'm writing fan fiction again. Stop stop me. Every time I do that, just say shut shut the fuck up. Sit down, you're on. <laughs> no no one read yeah, exactly. Uh, or leave. 
Yeah. Uh, Elliot S. Dragons. I think it might make sense now why dragons have riders. A dragon with no rider doesn't think in terms of dodging, but a competent rider can protect the dragon by being aware of and avoiding ice spears, scorpion bolts, etc. Mm. Hopefully Danny realizes this and does not send her other dragon into battle without a rider. I just uh, hope they play Danger Zone when the dragons battle. <laughs> uh, I think this is a good point. Like, if it, it's, it is possible that if uh, Viserys... Or Viserion had a competent rider who could, you know, could could watch the dragon's back. He never gets hit with the spear. Spear possible, yeah. So, Danny needs to get 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 John up there. The dragon only has two heads now. And John's got one of them. Yeah, two of them. <laughs> All right. All right. Captain D. When watching the last episode while Viserion is taking down a wall and just spewing his blue death beam, all blue eyes, white dragon style, Mm -hmm. I noticed his cry was distinctly different. To me, it almost seemed like his cry was a more sorrowful or kind of in pain sort of sound. Do you think the Double Ds wanted to convey that since dragons are magical, there might be something of Viserion still in there, thus giving Bran a better opportunity of connecting with him and warging into him? Or maybe the simple idea of something so magical and wondrous being corrupt is a sorrowful thing in itself. What do you think, Jim? I don't know why they went for a different cry, other than this is an undead beast now. Um, did, I, I really seem, didn't think they were getting at anything other than that. It did seem a little more tortured. Yeah. And also the fact that he's got his wings tattered already, and he's mm-hmm. super fast. He's got this invincible mat. I, I think they're, that's the thing Like with Jim. is like There's definitely something they're doing here, but is it just to make us feel extra bad about what's happening? Is it to suggest that Viserion's still in there and he's fighting it somehow? I who I mean, those are not bad things to speculate on, but I don't think there's enough information to say one way or another. Yeah. And also, the other question is, does Bran need something to be home to warg into it? Like, mm-hmm. I would like to see evidence that Bran can even warg into a white, who I see as mindless. Yeah. Like, without their white walkers directly controlling them, they seem like they don't have... well. I guess the one in King's Landing has the standing order to kill everything, kill all flesh. Just uh, all flesh must be consumed kind of prime directive. All right, let's move on. This is the final email. Mike D says, I keep hearing the comment from critics of the pacing that they're running out of time to tell the rest of the story. Assuming the last six episodes are all the rumored 90 minutes, they have nine hours left. Just for perspective... The entire original trilogy of Star Wars took 6.2 hours. The Godfather took three hours and covers 10 years. There Will Be Blood was two hours and 38 minutes and covers near 30 years. I think it's pretty doable to tell the rest of this story. Armies can move from battle to battle just by saying it will take a fortnight to march to blank, and the next scene we see them arrive or whatever. Or not, just have them arrive. The War of the Five Kings had months to go by in a few episodes, so fear not, with careful planning, this can all be done. I, I, I broadly agree. Mm-hmm. Especially now, the rumored ninety minutes—that's the thing. Uh, if it's six, if it's like five sixty-minute episodes and one ninety, then. Eh, but but still, like you said, like that's enough to tell two and a half Godfathers with a story, and that's a lot of story. It's a lot of story. Yeah. Um, Michael had a hell of a lot more than just two threats to worry about in mm-hmm. his 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 settling all family business. So, yeah, I think that. I think that's the other thing I guess that impressed me about the finale is I, for the first time, see them rounding into a shape where six episodes to go would just about do it. Yeah. You know, like, that's three probably epic battles. And it can't be just the good guys win. There's got to be, like, some desperate fighting. There's got to be a there's got to be a reversal of fortune. They've got to then fight back from that. And then they got to deal with Cersei. Right. It's almost like a... a- 
three act story within itself, right? Exactly. And that's the, the story's way... just beginning about the battle for Westeros. And that's the thing about the about Game of Thrones that I've always appreciated is that all of the seasons they make take their sweet time to get there, but they all kind of have that because they're structured after the book and George Martin is is no fool either. You know, he's been a screenwriter and an author for a long time. They all kind of have these individual arcs. Mm-hmm. Except for like Dance and Feast which are or Feast and Dance. That's the the one thing where George kind of broke down because he's in the middle of a story that he's not quite sure how he wants to tell, I guess, but Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have after everything's said and done, I have faith. I think I feel like this this was the hard part, right? Because there's nothing but downhill here. Like, everything naturally will flow from one to the other. Yeah, I mean, they've... they've All the characters have met. That was a huge uh-huh. intellectual challenge. To like, what would bring these people together to actually talk about this thing? Yeah, it's a hurdle that, you know, they kicked over as they sort of jumped over it, but kept yep. running. Yep. You know, it didn't knock them Definitely on their face. Definitely penalized them a little bit on their, on their, their time, but yeah. they, they finished the race. And right. I think... And now there are no more hurdles. We're just staring at the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Like, basically. Breaking down the wall was huge. Like, there, there's a lot... There's nothing really stopping this thing from concluding in a satisfying way, I don't think. Yeah. And that's the and first I, time I think... I've seen the end, the kind of the end state. Right. My perspective going into this final season is sort of like... I kind of feel like I know what we're going to get, which is this race to the finish. But if they throw in anything extra, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Exactly. But I'm not like I don't need it to to feel complete. And another another thing to hang your hat on if you're if you're hoping as a Game of Thrones fan is they have twice the time to develop this yeah. last bit correctly. Yeah. Um. So I I feel like that if you gave the double D's twice as much time, the execution is going to be even better, and the writing is going to be stronger. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but it wouldn't surprise me if this extra long going away time is a direct result of the double D's themselves being because that that even came in the official materials. Like several times, I heard them saying struggle with coming up with a way to make this believable. Yeah. And this is what we came up with. Like it wasn't <laughs> like. You know, it's, it's very sort distinct like from know. in previous, like, when they're like, oh, man, we've been waiting to tell the red story for this long. And, oh, man, yeah. like, oh, when John, we knew people would look, like they're 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 just largely winging this stuff, man. Like, I feel like the the bullet points they got to go off are very similar to the leaked bullet points. <laughs> right. And now they have to make that good mm-hmm. and 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 do the best job they can. Yeah. So, uh, again, we'll be back Friday with the full spoiler treatment. Next week, we will have a wrap-up podcast, maybe a separate spoiler podcast. Maybe it'll be combined with some, mm. some intro. Like it just depends on how our schedule goes next week. Yep. And then the week after that, we start back in season two, which I have very fond memories of. Yep. Like that's my favorite character, Tyrion. Has, season two is, the, is peak Tyrion, right? It is, and it has one of the best, uh, I, I don't know, some of the best stuff, the best conclusion in my mind. That Blackwater stuff. Yeah, Tyrion just is fucking awesome. people over left and right. He's yeah. slapping, slapping, getting back to his season one Joffrey slapping roots. Yep. <laughs> You're right. Uh, You're right. It's, it's, it's all, all, all good stuff. All good stuff until Tywin comes back and ruins his fun. Yeah, so join us for that yep. here, here in a couple of weeks. Yep. So lots of good Game of Thrones to look forward to. And another couple of rounds of feedback. Send it in to Game of Thrones at BaldMove.com. Of course, there's the forums, forums.baldmove.com, where you can discuss and theorize with your fellow fans. And for once... We, we're all on the same page again. We can all theorize, and no one's right, and no one's wrong, and no one's cheating. So that's going to be fun for the next couple of weeks. And also uh, social media. All the relevant social media, at or slash bald move, you can find us there. Uh, yep. If you want to 
stay up with the latest. And enjoy the uh, the outro song here by Blade Gear. You can We're going to put a link in the show notes, but if you want to find his SoundCloud page, it's soundcloud.com slash Blade Gear. There you go. He'll put a boot in your ass. It's the Westerosi way. <laughs> we're out. Bye. All right, then. Tell me whose idea it was to put you in Game of Thrones. I don't want to sound negative, but you made the internet grow. Thank you.